The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. 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 This is Joey Osborne. And Blanco Loco. And we are live on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Try saying that four times when you've had one too many drinks. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Donovan here alongside the young boy Josh Smith. On today's show, we'll be covering the historic all-in pay-per-view as well as our time in Chicago. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns at socialsuplex.com. Go to socialsuplex.com slash subscribe to sign up to get the podcast and columns delivered directly to your email inbox. And also make sure to check out our friends at purezuroad.com. On the front page, Mike Grindle has the AJPW Summer Explosion Tour recap. So check that out and all the great stuff on that site. All right, young boy, we are back from Chicago. Guess who's back, 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 <laughs> back again. again. Strong Style's back. Tell a friend. No, seriously, tell people about this show. We really, <laughs> we need your help. <laughs> no, I'm glad to be back. Uh, I am tired, though. This yeah. was a, this was an awesome, awesome weekend and uh, an awesome, awesome day off here on Labor Day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. All I did was just, like, chill today. Like, just trying to, like, decompress yeah, from the last few days and just, like, you know, take, take in, like, everything we saw this weekend, man. It was a life-changing experience, and I want to formally make my announcement that I am going to be a pro wrestler. <laughs> I'm going to start taking bumps. No, I'm just playing. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no, but it really was. This was an inspiring weekend. Um, let's, yeah, let's talk about it, man. Like, so, this, I mean, this was awesome. We get in there, man. First day, we hit up uh, pro wrestling tees. And, you know, just an awesome, you know, just moment as a fan of us going and check, check that store out and just seeing all the merch. Uh, it was, like, the actual pro wrestling size was a little bit smaller than I expected it to be. Um, the like the warehouse size a little bit is bigger. I want to know what they're hiding back there. <laughs> yeah, you try to like go back there. They're like, I, I I didn't know it was like a, a different deal. It's just like there's a door and it's not like a closet door. It's a glass door. You know what I mean? Right. Glass doors are usually a pretty inviting sort of thing, especially since like you can see through it. So I just thought it was. I thought it was like half the store's pro wrestling tees and half the store's one hour tees. Right. And I just thought like you could go in there because that's what it looks like. I mean, there's another door on the outside as well. But as soon as I opened that door, dude, they freaked out. They're like, oh, excuse me, what are you doing? And I was like, <laughs> I want to see the store. I don't know. 
<laughs> and then they try to get you to buy a gimmick. Like, you buy a Pro Wrestling Tees logo t-shirt, you can get a free factory tour. He's like, oh, well, if you just head outside, you can see our Wall of Fame. Or better yet, if you buy one of these $25 Pro Wrestling t-shirts, you get a full tour of the, the place. I was like, I don't want a tour. I just want to... I, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I, I just was trying to walk through this door, man. Like, I, I guess I won't go. I, I'll just stay right here. I'm good. But, uh, yeah, Pro Wrestling Tees was awesome. Yeah, dude, a lot of great merch. Uh, ended up getting a all-in t-shirt and a Chicago Bullet Club t-shirt. Yeah, you know, with me, I'm, I do have some wrestling tees, but I'm not one to generally splurge on a, a wrestling t-shirt, you know. Um, Jeremy is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the bets were that I was going to spend uh, 200 bucks this weekend on shirts. No, I, yeah, I was proud of you, man. I only spent 80 bucks. Yeah, I was I, proud of you. Three t-shirts. Wait, you spent $80? Yeah. I thought you only spent 50 I bought an AAW shirt. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, okay, yeah, so uh, my, you know... My impress, like you impressing me, has dwindled a, a, little, l- a bit. little bit. <laughs> it's down a little bit now. Um, uh, your markdom has gone up a few points. <laughs> give you a four point four point oh. Um, four, four stars. Four stars. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so yeah, no. Uh, Pro Wrestling Tees was really cool. Lots of cool shirts. Uh, meeting fans. Just being there is like a, you know, there's cool art. Um, the parking was kind of crazy. I mean, parking in Chicago uh, was yeah, crazy yeah. everywhere. Um, yeah, but I mean, like, this this trip was like an adventure. It was really cool just kind of going out, traveling around Chicago. Um, I ended up getting one of the New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, Chicago t-shirts. So it's the uh, the Lion Mark logo with, in the background, the colors. It's kind of like the U.S. flag one, but this one's the Chicago flag. So um, I'm a mark for whenever I'm in a city. If I want to get something, I don't know, sometimes I just want to get a souvenir. And this right. is like, you know, New Japan pro wrestling t-shirt with the chicago flag i mean come on like that's an awesome shirt <laughs> yeah and i think you got you got one too right yeah i got the bullet club chicago one. Oh, uh, nice yeah yeah i kind of felt stupid though because i think that one you can only get in the store and i think this one you can order online uh well that's what someone had said i don't know if that's true yeah. i got finesse though so. <laughs> oh man but yeah so i mean um you know we went to pro wrestling tees you know, we did all the touristy stuff, the bean, you know, ate tons Millennium of Park, uh, deep dish pizza, oh, yeah. big fountains, like everything. Um, but let's, uh, you know, let's talk about our wrestling experiences. So, yeah, I mean, so uh, Thursday night we went to AAW uh, Destination Chicago. Before we talk about that, what did we not do? We did not go to StarCast. Any day. Any day. The whole time we were there. Yeah. We did see... Uh, Mr. Ass, Billy Gunn, in our hotel. I'm pretty sure we saw Gail Kim when we were walking around Chicago, but I wasn't totally sure, and I didn't want to be that guy who's like, <laughs> who's like, you're a beautiful Asian woman. Are you Gail Kim? And then her be like, no. no. <laughs> Plus, you know, I don't really like to bother wrestlers too much unless like it's an appropriate setting, so I didn't say anything, but I was like, is that her? Is yeah. that her? Um, funny enough, we did run into Jason Jordan in Tampa Airport on our way back. Yeah, I was we like, did. I was like, you're Jason Jordan. He's like, yep. Yep. Look, we went to All In. He's like, cool. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, yep. and then, like, he just got on his elevator, and I was like, see ya, man. <laughs> boy, freaking marks. Uh, yeah, he, he was, like, these super marks right now. Like, he was not, like... But it's whatever, you know. I mean, it's the airport. Right. You know. But, uh, yeah, Jason Jordan. <laughs> stud. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, we were all over Chicago, and then we went to the AW show. Logan Park. 
Logan Park is awesome. Dude, that was like, you were like in heaven, dude. <laughs> I love Logan. Yeah, I love it there. It's like hipster paradise. Like, I was like, all the coffee shops, all the white girls. Oh my God, the girls in Chicago. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of girls there. Yeah. But, hey, but you know what? I didn't like ask anyone for their numbers. I didn't like do, I didn't do anything. I, I behaved myself. <laughs> right? Yeah, you did. Yeah, very good. So, I mean, that's good. Yeah, but yeah, Logan Park, Logan Square, very awesome. Um, so, yeah, we were there both Thursday and Friday. Thursday night was uh, Destination Chicago. Um, that show, it was broadcast on the High Spots uh, Network, which you can get now. Only for, that Only that show? Only, only the Thursday night one. Not the Friday show. Right. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Which you can tell there was a big difference. I mean, the Thursday night show started on time. Ended on time. The crowd was so hyped. Like all of oh, it was ma- a great crowd. All the matches were fire. It was hot. It was oh, hot. And that Logan yeah. Square Auditorium is really, really hot. But um, yeah, the crowd was great. The, the Thursday night show was awesome. Yeah, I mean, it kicked off with a AAW tag title match. We had the besties in the world, Davey Vega um, and Matt Fitchett again with Scarlett Bordeaux, the Smoke Show against uh, wrestling David Starr and Eddie Kingston. I think I think the big takeaways for me on that match were just like how entertaining wrestling was. You know, I mean, David Starr and Eddie Kingston, especially David Starr on the mic, is awesome. And then Scarlett Bordeaux getting involved in that match. They did a Doomsday Device. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, this girl. Like, I I've, I know who she is, but I really watched her work and impact or anything like that. So, but uh, yeah, man. So, I mean, that was that that was a great opener, real fun, real energetic. And then we had uh, the leader of the pack, Stefan Wolf, against Paco. Uh, oh, that was uh, that was like the two guys I didn't know match. Yeah, same here. I didn't recognize either of those guys. It was good though. Yeah, it was good. It was it was a real entertaining match. You know, um, you know. Super fast-paced indie-style match. I don't even remember who won or which guy's which. Uh, Paco won with a small package. Oh, he that's was, right. Yeah, he was like the kind of like the he underdog. He was getting killed. He was getting he was killed. really small. Yeah. Um, then they had this awesome three-way match with Hot Fire, Myron Reed, Laredo Kid, and DJ Z. Spot fest of the night for sure. Oh yeah, dude, that match was great. Um, Myron Reed's a guy who's been like kind of like bursting on the scenes. Um, he had a great match with uh, Cotto Brazil at MLW. Got signed to a contract for MLW. Yeah, he's impressive. Uh, I mean, you know, for him to go toe-to-toe with those two guys in general is great. But DJ Z is, to me, like the stand- was the standout in that match. Yeah, I mean, he's gotten so much better since yeah. leaving Impact. And I love, like, the, the, the advancement of the gimmick with his little light-up suit. And, like, in the middle of the match, saying, DJ, and, like, bah, 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 get the ham horn. Yeah, so that's cool. And then what was the next match? So then there was Sammy Callahan and Jessica Havoc. Um... They went against uh, well, actually, Jimmy Jake. I'm sorry. That was, I guess they showed a promo I guess, on the screen. The next match was actually uh, Ace, AC Romero. Oh, yes. Against the uh, AAW Heritage Champion, Trevor Lee. So up until this point, we'd seen nothing but fast-paced wrestling, you know, very, very, like, very indie-rific, you know, flippy-fest-type wrestling. So when this match came up, I was like, oh, this is going to be, like, the cool-down match, you know? And then... Uh, uh, Trevor Lee came out, cut a great promo. Uh, AC Romero has, he comes out to I Don't Want to Lose Your Love Tonight. Oh my gosh. The crowd gets so into Such it. an epic entrance. Like, I don't want to lose your love tonight. 
and like the whole crowd is like so into it and I'm like this is awesome like, yeah um but then the match started and it was kind of what you'd expect from a real big guy like AC and a smaller guy like Trevor Lee you know kind of a gimmicky match but as it kept going and kept building and building and building it started turning into I was like wow this match is getting really good and then by the end of it I was like Holy crap, this is like, this match is awesome. Yeah, dude, it was, yeah, way better than I expected it to be. I have, you know, I'm familiar with Trevor Lee, never seen Ace Romero, uh, but yeah, he was very impressive for a big guy. Yeah, he was doing, he was doing topes and suicide dives, and yeah, it was awesome. He's, he can really go. Very entertaining guy, too. Yeah, uh, Trevor Lee ended up getting the win with a flipping fallaway slam. Which was funny, because he, he was, it was supposed to be a title match, and then he conveniently... Lost, lost the title. He lost the belt, which, you know, I don't know if people realize this. Like, the belt is just a belt. The title is the actual recognition. You can lose your title without having the physical belt, but it's wrestling. He, he finessed AC. Yeah, I don't know. He finessed AEW. He finessed all of us. The <laughs> um, next match, we had uh, more tag team action with Kurt Stallion and Jake Something against OI4K, Dave, and Jake Christ. Uh, I kind of remember this match, but not really. I think it was okay. Yeah, there was interference from Jimmy Jacobs and That's Brody right. King. That's right. Um, they're in a feud with OI4K and Callahan. Right, and it went straight into the next match, right? Like, as they interfered and stopped the match, uh, basically, Sammy Callahan and uh, Jessica, Havoc. Jessica Havoc came out, and it just they went right into the next match, which was a hardcore battle. They're all over the place in that match. Um, we actually stood. We were standing room only. We stood on the hard camera side. And at one point, there was this... Uh, it was funny because every there was a lot of dives into the crowd. So the, the people kept moving. The chairs kept getting pushed further and further back to the point where by the time this match came up, they were in the crowd and, like, uh, Brody was telling people, like, to move. And we had nowhere to go. Like, we literally could not physically move. They uh, He tossed Jessica into this row of chairs in front of us and um, this like little Hispanic girl she, like, she fell into my arms and like, I kind of <laughs> felt bad but like she got hit by the chairs and stuff and he's like I said the effing move <laughs> and I was like Brody there's nowhere to go <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude there are lots of dives into the crowd and people getting hit on both shows yeah that was crazy uh, Brody and uh, Jimmy Jacobs end up getting the win here yeah uh, and, you know, the fans were really into Jessica Havoc, gave her kind of like a standing... They were into this match. Yeah. They were really into this match. Um, and then we get... Uh, and then with the intermission, then came back, and we had uh, MJF, Maxwell, Jacob Freeman against Colt Cabana. Oh, this match was <laughs> great. Um, just a lot of comedy, so I guess the storyline is that there's a paternity test, right? Right, and that Colt Cabana is MJF's dad. Like his biological father. Right. And he's like, where have you been all this time, then, if you're my father? He's like, you see, I've been wrestling around the world. Um, yeah, so the crowd was really into this. They were doing, like, who's your daddy chants and, you know, you, you are, are grounded. grounded. Um, you know, daddy issues, stuff like that. Yeah. This this young punk baby face heel in MJF, he's just playing it up, like, as much as he can. He's just being, like, a snickering, like, sniveling heel. Dude, I want to give props to MJF. Like, I've been, st I've been seeing him for the last year now in various indies. This guy is so good he's at good. doing the basics. And like he he's said, good. like he says, he doesn't need to do flips to get over. And it's so true. His, his character his, work. Yeah, his character work. His facials. Promo, facials, and this is in-ring technician stuff. Like, he's, he's so good. Like, he's yeah. going, he, 
he's like tailor made for WWE, and yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see him, you know, in there in the next couple of years. Like this guy is great. Yeah, he's only been wrestling what three years. Yeah, I mean he's a season. That'd be like me after three months. <laughs> 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 he does. No, but he's really good. Yeah, he's a CCW world champion right now. He's the MLW middleweight champion. Um, there's another title I saw him that he won, I think, last night or sometime. So, yeah, this guy is, like, racking up titles and just... He was good, and then him and, um, you know, he's a pretty versatile guy, too. He can do a lot of different types of styles, and this match was clearly a comedy match. Um, the, the highlight for me was at the end of the match, basically, well... Colt had kept they kept working for spots where Colt kept trying to go for a hug yeah MJF didn't want to hug him <laughs> so, and, and then like you would think he's gonna like do a body slam or something and then he would come in and give him a hug and like MJF like <laughs> like as as a you know a troubled child who like doesn't who, who does have daddy issues he's like looking around at the crowd because he doesn't know how to react to, <laughs> to the to fatherly love from a positive you know male role model like he doesn't know how to respond to it so like at the end of the match they both have weapons in hand and mjf has what he had a chair he, he had a chair and then colt had like the black sack you think it's thumbtacks yeah yeah yeah. so i how did he even i they i guess somehow like so colt, colt like ended up kicking the chair out of mjf's he hands disarmed him or he, something. he went to flare mode on his knees and was begging off like no no please don't pour attacks out he dumps the bag out it's two baseball gloves and a baseball <laughs> And then the crowd erupts and let's play catch. Let's play catch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then like uh, MJF eventually like decides to do it, and then the the DJ starts playing "Cats in the Cradle" and the Silver Spoon, <laughs> and the whole entire crowd is like so into it. We're all just like singing the and song, waving, yeah. And uh, MJF tries to throw the ball, and he he can't. He doesn't know how. <laughs> <laughs> this professional athlete doesn't know how to throw a, a baseball, yeah, because no one ever taught him. Right. <laughs> and so like Colt like, comes over and like teaches him how to throw the ball. And being the prodigy that he is, he figures it out pretty quickly, and then like he tosses it to Colt. Colt's like, "Yeah!" <laughs> and they're they're playing ball for a minute, and it's like this beautiful fatherly moment. Yeah. Cats the Colonel and Silver Spoons playing, and the crowd's like erupting. Like it's it was like one of the moments of the night, as funny as it sounds. And then um, they're they're like holding each other, and like MJF's like giving the thumbs up, like "Yeah, yeah, yeah!" And then he kicks Colt right in the nads, rolls Roll him up, up, pulls the tights. One, two, three, gets the f out of there. <laughs> Oh man! So yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty entertaining, honestly. Yeah, like that's something that I don't think would work necessarily on a big stage, but for that kind of crowd, it, it did work. Right. Um, and then next we had the AAW Heavyweight Championship match: the champion Super ACH defending against Mr. Athletic Jeff Cobb. That was a great match. That was a really, really, really good match. Um, I don't have much to say about it. I think if you get a chance and you want you want a recommendation from the night, this was one of the matches of the night. Uh, it was it was very good. I mean, it was at least a four star fair, maybe more. Yeah, I mean, pretty much the story of the match: Cobb, the strong guy; ACH, the smaller kind of underdog babyface, had to work from behind the whole match. And the one thing, I, the one takeaway is that I saw a side of Jeff Cobb that obviously we know how talented he is, but it was like seeing Jeff Cobb have one of the best matches I've yeah, ever seen. That, that, that is the best Jeff Cobb match I have seen. Yeah, so I mean, he got to kind of show show the goods in that match. Really, really, really good. And ACH ended up retaining. And uh, we saw, we heard like a new chant that we've never really heard before where you oh, have... Oh, the new champ, old champ? Yeah, you have one yeah. guy go, new champ, old champ. It was cool, but I kind of got old. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that was the whole match. The crowd was really into this. And then we ended up going to a Taco Bell Cantina that night. And uh, those guys who were doing that chant came in, and I was like, watch this, Jeremy. And I was like, old champ. <laughs> and they were like, new champ. They were so into it, bro. Yeah. Like, they loved it. But um, 
the old champ, ACH, did retain. Yeah. Uh, beating uh, Jeff Cobb with a brain buster. Oh, that was an awesome brain buster, too. Yeah. Then we had the main event of the evening, the Lucha Brothers, Penta, Gone Jr. and Ray Phoenix against Mexi Blood, which is Bandito and Flamita. This match was a match of the weekend. It was as good as anything that was an all-in. It was just, it was so stellar. Um, it was the best, like, luchador-based match I saw the whole weekend. Yeah, I mean, both these guys, I mean, all four of these guys are just awesome, and all the dives, all the hurricane ranas. The star thoughts. power. Yes. Just seeing seeing kind of like Flamita and Bandito are kind of like becoming the new guys, the new like, you know, uh, lucha guys on, you know, on the indies scene. And then, you know, Phoenix and Pentagon have been those guys for the last like two to three years or whatever. So it's kind of like, you know, them kind of giving back and, and making a couple new guys, which was really cool. I mean, obviously... If you're in the know, you know who Flamita and Bandito are, but there's still a lot of people that yeah, don't. Yeah, there are a lot of people who don't. Yeah, I've never seen them or heard of them. You know, unless you're watching PWG or you're watching, you know, like the indies over in, like, the Lucha Indies, you might not know who these guys really are yet, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, it does feel like they, they're they just, like, a year or two away from being, like, Pentagon and Phoenix, basically. Right. And um, Lucha Brothers get the win when uh, Penta hit the Fair Factor package pile driver. There was a lot of crazy stuff in that match, too, where I, I thought the match was over. There, the, the near falls were great. Yeah. And then afterwards, um, I, it was really cool. I got to throw money in the ring. Yeah. Like I was in Tijuana or something, man. Um, you know, when they did that WrestleMania weekend, I didn't know what that was. Plus, I wasn't trying to give my money away. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I didn't do that. But on this night... For that incredible match, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna do it!" I, like I'm, fi- and I, I threw it in there. Uh, it was great. You know, a lot of people, uh, people were really, really into that. This crowd was just. This was a hot crowd the whole night. It didn't yeah. go overly long. Yeah, show started Every, on time, ended on time. There was no bad matches either. This right. was one of the stronger like indie shows I've ever been to. Yeah, um, really, really, really good. And then we had the next night, a uh, defining moment. In the same building with the same set of wrestlers, but we are pleased to announce we got tickets for this show. By the way, oh yeah, shout out to our boy Abby the Butcher. He's a photographer. Um, we actually met him WrestleMania weekend, and I didn't realize he was a guy I bought the tickets from for this Friday night show. Yeah, I didn't know that that's who you bought them from. And then when he came up and said, "What's up?" I was like, "I was like, Abby, what's up, bro?" And he's <laughs> like, "Hey," and I was like, "Wait, we bought tickets from you?" He's like, "Yeah, man." And I was like. Oh my God! He's like you're the you're the strong style guys, yeah, right. right? And I was like, Yeah, bro. And he's like, Oh my God, small world. And I was Let me like, buy you guys a drink. He's like, Let me get you guys a drink. <laughs> we were like, Heck yeah! Like, yeah. So it was really really cool. Like you know, the, this crowd. Before we kind of move on and talk about the show, like the AW crowd, very different from like the Starcast crowd. Yeah. And not a lot of like crossover. Like we were talking to people, and a lot of them were just like. We're like, do you guys go Starcast? Nope. You go Starcast? Nope. <laughs> like, uh, obviously, it's a it's a more niche crowd. Uh, I mean, how many people are probably there? Two fifty, three hundred, something around there. Yes, it wasn't like a lot, but I mean, this was this these were the same type of people that we see when we go and we travel. A lot of these fans, like, it's weird. Like, it's like being part of like I don't know. It's like being part of like a. I don't know, like, you know, they have, like, deadheads for, like, the, the walk, or for, uh, you know, the Grateful Dead and stuff like that. These right. these different types of fans who are real inundated on certain products. Like, these guys are, like, the smarkiest of smart crowds. These fans who came to All In and then went to the AEW shows. Whereas, like, a lot of the StarCast crowd was more like, 
you know, the general, you know, just indie fan who might listen to Bruce and Conrad or what what have you. Right. But they don't necessarily go to, like, an AEW show. So very, very different feel at the AEW shows from what, I, what it was like at All In. Just, yeah. Or even just over the whole weekend interacting with wrestling fans. Like, this was a very niche crowd. Right. Um, so, yeah, this Defining Moments show... It was not as good as the first night. <laughs> it wasn't even close. Yeah. It shit. wasn't even close. And I, I feel bad because we wanted to go, be at the show so bad. <laughs> so badly. So badly. And then afterwards, I was like, yeah, we could have probably skipped out on this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we we definitely could have done some stuff in Chicago that evening instead. But uh, it's okay. I mean, you know, we actually had a great day that day. That's when we did the touristy stuff. And right. Made it over for the show and, you know... Did some cool stuff in Logan Square. And, yeah, so then we, we, we made it to this Friday show. And, I mean, what would you think? Yeah, man. It started late, ended late. What Ended an hour late. Just in... Bro, it was four-plus hours. Yeah. And a lot of the matches just... Flat. Yeah. A lot of flat. I don't know what happened either. Yeah, it was pretty much, like, everything after the intermission kind of, like... So we can, yeah, let's just run through this stuff. Real yeah, quick. so the opening contest was uh, Jake something and Chris Stallion defeating AC Romero and Cole Cabana. It was great seeing AC and uh, you know Colt you know open the match, but you know is whatever. Um, that match was just it was just like a quick opener, six minutes or something, and then right. you know the heels went over. Um, and then we had probably the match of the night with Shane this Swerve Strickland yeah. uh, defeating Darby Allen. Uh, both of these guys kind of like taking the top spot and like evolve right now. I would have really liked if they both had happened to have been on the night before. Yeah. That would have probably made, made that, that night even, yeah, even, even better. better. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Shane Strickland, Darby Allen was just an incredible, incredible match. Like two guys I'm very high on right now. Yeah. Um, Crowd's really into that match. Crowd, yeah. In fact, that might even like kill the crowd because of how good that match was, and it was second. You know. Yeah. After, the, I mean, the crowd was going crazy for that match. And then, yeah. yeah. Um, then we had uh, OVE, Jake and Dave, Chris uh, defeating uh, Ace Austin and Brian Cage. So it was cool to see Brian Cage, but again, that match was kind of just like it was there. throwaway. They were going through the numbers. I mean, they did a lot of like crazy dives. But um, you know, it's just it, it, it was just there. That's yeah. what it was. Then we had uh, A.R. Fox and Myron Reed against uh, defeating uh, Flamita and Bandito. So that was that was a match where um, I think you caught more of that than I did. Yeah. So I mean, this was another good, probably the second best match after the Strickland Derby. All four of these guys just flying all over the place. The the one thing I do remember, it was very sloppy. Yeah. It was like really they were doing a lot of really cool stuff, but you would kind of hope that they'd work together better. But it was just kind of all over the place. Like, yeah. It seems like there was some miscommunication. A lot between a lot. those four guys. Yeah. But it's still still it's I mean, still a good match. Yeah. Um, then I went to intermission and came back with uh, MJF going against Marco Stunt, uh, defeating Marco Stunt. Yeah, that was my first time like actually <laughs> seeing Marco Stunt. Yeah. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of people that are really big fans of this kid. I'm just gonna say I'm not really a fan. <laughs> I'm, I, I, hey, I get the gimmick. I get it. He, you know, I understand it. So it's not like, you know, the reason I don't like him is I can't take him seriously. He's too small. Um, and I don't feel bad about saying that. It's not judgmental. It's the same reason why I don't really like El Torito. 
he's too small, you know, <laughs> um, stuff like that, yeah. you know. But th- there are people that are fans of him, and there there are people that are fans of a lot of stuff in wrestling that I'm not necessarily a fan of. Um, in this match, I did not take it seriously at all. Um, seeing MJF sell for him was like kind of ridiculous. <laughs> also, they started the match, and he said that. Uh, you know, the, the the premise of the match was basically that Marco had told MJF that he... Slept with his mom. Slept, yeah, he's like, I effed your mom last night. And so the whole, like, night, the whole crowd just talking about Marco, like, banging, you know, his mom. <laughs> and then they were like, two dads. Yeah, you got two, two dads. You have two dads, <laughs> which was funny, and I get it. But at the same time, and hey, Marco is actually pretty uh, impressive athletically with what he can do. But for him to be so over for being able to do those things, I'm like, there's a lot of guys that are much better at that stuff. And I'm sure he's he's prob- he's a young guy, right? He, I don't know. Uh, uh, I think he's, like, in, like, mid-20s. Yeah, like, how long has he been wrestling? Probably not that long. I'm not sure yet. So he'll probably get better, but I just, like, I can't take him seriously. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I, I Maybe I'm like those... Do you remember that video that we listened to with the, all those... Uh, fans from the 2000s running down like the Japanese like wrestlers yeah. <laughs> and running down like all the luchadors and cruiserweights on Wrestling Observer maybe that's me right now I don't know maybe I'm just like ignorant but I just don't take it seriously I don't think it's presented as a serious thing either it's a, I don't, I don't it's think, a joke yeah it, I think it is supposed to be a joke and even the, the appearance that got him kind of blown up was at Joe Janela's Lost in New York yeah where like they had open challenge he jumped out of the crowd and it was it's kind of like this like what the heck is happening right now thing hey if the kid can get over and he can make money you know god bless him but i'm not a fan yeah so yeah mjf uh, defeated him then next we have the match that truly killed the crowd uh sammy callahan defeating jimmy jacobs in a grudge match Oof. yeah so this was actually the talking point of the night and probably the talking point of the weekend with uh aaw i mean um take us through it jeremy <laughs> you know. so yeah so pretty much these guys you know they're brawling all over their uh, the auditorium, you know, diving, weapons. And at one point, they're up on the stage, and Sammy Callahan is throwing chairs, not not folding chairs, just like regular chairs. And just so it makes sense, you guys have to see this auditorium. It's an awesome venue. Very similar, like, in some ways to, like, kind of remind me of, like, the Elk Lodge, uh, but nicer. Mm-hmm. You know, like, Logan Square Auditorium for, like, a little indie show like AW. It's a great ambiance like I've, I was like this is one of the coolest like little indie shows I've ever been to mm-hmm. but it is like it's a wedding venue basically you know or like a concert hall and so w- when you walk in you're facing a stage so they had fans you know seated on that stage and then they got the uh, ring on the on the ballroom floor basically which is where we're standing and then behind us there's like a, a balcony essentially right. so it's a multi-purpose space but yeah they're fighting up on what would essentially be like a like if a band was playing. Like if a band was playing up there, they're just elevated above the rest of us. They're on a stage, just like if you were like at a concert auditorium. And uh, yeah, so they started like what throwing chairs. Yeah, so it's, these are like not your normal like you know metal folding chairs. These are like the, the plasticky, well not plastic, but like just a regular chair. They're like metal frame with the cushions, cushions and the yeah. pads. Yeah, they didn't fold. So Callahan's like throwing a bunch of these chairs onto Jimmy Jacobs, and the next thing you know, they're or, doing the, that whole gimmick. Like yeah. you do, they do that in WWE all the time. You know, they right. just bury a guy in a bunch of crap. Right. Or like Suzuki does it. You know, you put the guardrail and you hit him with the chairs. Right. That's what. That's basically what Callahan was doing. And the next you know over the loudspeakers you hear hey asshole stop breaking our chairs and we're like what what's happening yeah, i was so confused he's like he's like really i mean it 
stop breaking our chairs. This is not part of your wrestling show. Yeah, he's like, it's not part of your little wrestling show. And I was like, what in the <laughs> world? I thought it was, I thought it was work. So, and he's like, um, yeah, he's like, I'm serious. Like, if you break the chairs, you're gonna pay for them. He's like, we're charging you at the end of the night. Yeah. And then um, I look behind us, and it's the bartender, like the, <laughs> the little skinny punk kid, who is like serving drinks at the bar. He's in the sound booth behind us, like, and he's like dead serious, like, and. Like, I'm just like, I'm just thinking to myself, like, you know, there's got to be a better way to handle that situation. Right. You know? Well, this is not the first time they've booked AAW in this venue. Or wrestling in general, because right. we talked to wrestlers at Pro Wrestling Tees. What's that company? That uh, Freelance. Yeah, Freelance runs the same auditorium all the time. You actually yeah. met a kid. Uh, you ran into a freelance. Yeah, wrestler, yeah. You know? Matt Nix. Shout out to Matt Nix. Uh, you guys, you guys <laughs> used to kind of run in the same circles, right? Yeah, the uh, the Global Backyard Wrestling Network, the kind of the NWA for uh, backyard wrestling back in the day. We should start that back up, like we're Billy Corgan. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. What's it, what's it called? Uh, the Backyard Wrestling. The Global Backyard Wrestling Network. Global Backyard Wrestling Network. There's a lot of initials. GBYWN. GBYWN, okay. We need to get the GB... Is there a GBYWN, like, world champion? There was. I don't know who the last champion was or who has the belt now. That needs to be on the next All In show. <laughs> Seriously, like, we need to buy that and cash in. That, that's... that. I'm gonna I'm gonna call Cody and the Bucks. <laughs> Tell him about it. Matt Nix versus John Duris for the GBYWN. We're gonna merge it into the NWA title. Add, add prestige and allure to a, a dwindling title. <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so... So, yeah, you, you know what you get when you're booking wrestling in there, and, like... Especially, like, I just... We talked to fans, and they said that it's not the first time they've run a street fight in Chicago at that venue. Right. It happens all the time. Um, I don't know. Like, what what were your thoughts with this, so... I, like... It kind of, like... I mean, the match, the match was already killing the crowd. Oh, the match sucked! But that kind of ruined the vibe more. It's, like... What, like, why would you do, like, just wait until after the show and settle it there? Because you got a guy who, you know, wrestling obviously is, yeah. we're breaking kayfabe here, but obviously a lot of times it's pre not a lot of times, okay, I'm trying <laughs> to, like, protect kayfabe and, like, also talk transparently here, like, right. it, it's... It's predetermined. It's a work, okay? It's a work. Obviously, we all know that it's a work. <laughs> but you don't act like it's a work when you're watching it. Just right. like you don't act like, you know, Thor isn't a real guy, you know, when you're watching, like, Avengers, a Marvel movie. Yeah. That ruins it. But it's even more so because it's live action performance. You know, it's sports entertainment. And you have a guy who kind of lives his gimmick in Sammy Callahan. So, you know what I mean? Like, you got a guy who's, like, literally hitting another dude in the head with a metal spike earlier in the match. Right. And then you want to tell him, hey, asshole, stop hitting that dude <laughs> with a chair. <laughs> what do you think that that dude who's trying to maintain this character and believability and authenticity to the performance that he's doing is going to do to you for saying something like that? Right. You know what I mean? Like, there is a way to handle this. Um, but, yeah, so... So yeah, so the crowd was like, "Yeah, break those chairs, break those oh, chairs." The, the crowd got incited. It was like being at ECW, you know, <laughs> like they were like, "Break the effing chairs!" Yeah, break the effing chairs. <laughs> and then you know, Sammy like did start breaking chairs a little bit, like at first. Right. And then the um, from because it was kind of hard to see some parts because you know they're blowing over. But apparently, the security guard like came over to Sammy, and Sammy thought it was like an AEW young boy, and like gave him like a working punch. Did he? That's what I was heard on the um, Observer. I don't. I don't know. I don't think that happened. Well, Uncle Dave and Alvarez—they were on the balcony and could see 
better than we could. Really? And they said that apparently he gave, he thought the security guy was like an AAW. When did that happen? When they were in the ring or, or <clears throat> before they got I back think in the ring? Before they got back in the ring. So, okay, so here's, I'll just run through <clears throat> my, what I thought happened. They, they did the spot with the, you know, that we talked about. The kid tells them not to break the chairs. They kind of keep working. They make their way back into the ring. Sammy keeps putting chairs in the ring, pretending like he's going to break them, but he's not actually doing right. that. And then uh, the AEW guys and the security guys start trying to take chairs out of the ring. They, they work to the finish. Um, and then after they work to the finish, Sammy stands... You know, on the edge of the uh, the ring, does the thumbs up, thumbs down, and to looks the bartender. to the bartender. I don't know what happens next, but all I see is security freaking out and trying right. to basically attack Sammy Callahan. Right. Jimmy Jacobs, or I'm sorry, uh, Jessica Havoc runs out there. All of a sudden, all these other security... OVE, OVE runs out. OVE runs out, and then the crowd's, like, freaking out, and it felt like it was about to be a riot, like, for real. Yeah. Like, I was like, dude, like, I was, like, in fight or flight mode. I was like, what are we going to have to do? <laughs> well, we're about to run out of here. Yeah, I was like, what are we going to have to do right now? Like, it, it, this <laughs> feels like something's about to go down, and then luckily nothing did. Um, did you see something different than what I just described? That's pretty much what I saw. I, I did not see Sammy do the working punch on a security guard, but... I don't. I, I didn't see security even get close to him before, because that doesn't make sense to me. So, here's why it doesn't make sense to me. Okay, so they're on the stage, they get told to stop. Security comes up, he does a working punch, and then the security guard sells it, and then the match goes on for another five minutes. That doesn't sound right. To me. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe how Dave explained it was not quite right. But I'm not sure. But the big thing was the security guard had like the flash, like like reached in his back pocket. Like yeah, a, that's something that I was. I didn't hear from anyone that we talked to at the show that someone got punched. Uh, I did hear that Dave said that on a show, and it could have very well happened. Maybe, you know, like you said, we might have missed it, but the timing of that doesn't make sense. The only time it might have seemed like maybe he did it was at the end of the match. Right. And it wouldn't have been a working punch because Sammy was like. Pissed off. Yeah. They, they him and that, uh, there's a Hispanic. Uh, security guard, and that guy to me seemed like he was really, uh, you know. Escalating the situation, right? Yeah, and you know what? The 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 I heard that Logan Square Auditorium wanted Sammy out of the the building, basically. So they might have been trying to like kick him out, and he didn't know what was going on or whatever. Right. But um, I don't know, man. This is just my take on it. I've been to a lot of indie shows. You have too. Have you ever seen anything like this when guys are breaking stuff? Yeah, we see them break stuff all the time. Have you ever seen the the um, the venue like try to out wrestling in front of everybody like that? No, never seen that. Um, we've talked to promoters, we've talked to wrestlers. What usually happens? They get charged. Right. It's not a big deal. You know what I mean? Especially since this company came in, charged pretty good. You know, you know uh, they, they they had a pretty high charge for these tickets on a busy weekend. They sold out both shows for, you know, for this uh, venue. And then, you know, if they did hypothetically, quote, unquote, and they didn't, they, to me, it didn't look like they're breaking the chairs in the first place. They weren't. 
Those chairs are sturdy as heck. <laughs> yeah. Like, those chairs were not... They weren't, like, the, fold, like, the steel folding Those chair. chairs were not breaking. But right. Even if they did get, like, dinged or whatever, and you want to charge them for it, guess what? That's what promoters do all the... Or that's what venues do to promoters all the time. They just right. charge them. You don't, you don't, like, literally interrupt the... I understand, like, we're in a wrestling fan state of mind here, but even just for business, it's not really that big a deal. They're just chairs. You charge the guy. You buy some more. You're making money. What's the problem? Right. Why literally, like, threaten a dude's life with a gun (laughs) over some Some metal chairs? That doesn't make sense. Like, that doesn't seem like an appropriate response, in my opinion. Am I... I don't know. Am I wrong here? No. Being a mark? No. I think... I mean, I think... Wait till the end of the night. Say, hey, AEW, like we're charging you extra X Y Z to replace these chairs. This was this was the moment of the of the whole weekend. So in a way, it was kind of good we were there. Uh, I didn't see anyone get punched by Sammy. I'll just say that. I do think Sammy was crazy enough to attack them, but Jessica Havoc was in between him and the guards the whole time. Right. For a while, I thought that this was a work though, just because it's wrestling and it seemed so good. I was like, but it didn't seem like it was leading to anything. And then eventually, I did go by the bar because I had to sit down on a stool because we were standing for so long. And I was like, I need a break because my back was killing me. And I did overhear the meeting that was going on with the security guards over by the bar uh, in a back office building. I'm probably the only person that heard it. Like, it was kind of (laughs) like perfect timing. And I can tell you this was not a work. This was a shoot. Um, yeah, they were they were heated in there. Also, what was funny, one of the security guards, they couldn't find him when this all happened. <laughs> and he was in the meeting and they were chewing him out because basically they were like radioing him and they they're they're like, Where were you? And like, I, he must do he was doing something shady, I don't know, because he wasn't there. So yeah, this was a real this was a real like incident and then Sammy and O V E like got kicked out of the building and then AW they they almost lost the venue that night we thought they did. Actually, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that. Then the the next match we had the AAW tag titles on the line to a dead crowd. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the new champs wrestling, uh, represented by Eddie Kingston and Jeff Cobb with Trevor Lee, defeated the besties in the world with uh, Scarlett Bordeaux. Oh, that's right. They kind of stole the titles the night before, and then they had the that, return match the yeah. next night. Also, let's just say before we move on, I know we've said it, but I just want to really emphasize that that. So that like uh, hardcore match that happened that right before that sucked. <laughs> it really sucked. Yeah, and the crowd was dead. It took, it took a it took a show that was like had some ups and downs and just kind of literally killed it. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, Eddie Kingston, Je- uh, Jeff Cobb retained the titles here. Uh, story of this match: Besties in the world had some miscommunication. They were on the same page. It seems like it's all about Scarlett Bordeaux. They're, yeah, they're having troubles because of her and the the other dude's relationship, I guess. Yeah, and so she ended up eating a super kick from um, one of the besties on accident. He didn't care about it. The other bestie had to like take her out, and so it ended up being two on one. And Cobb and Kingston retained. Uh, but the pop of the night though was Scarlett hitting a Canadian destroyer on Trevor Lee in this match. Hey, she's hot. She can wrestle. <laughs> and then the main event was the AAW Championship matchup with um, ACH defending against Brody King. Was that the main event? Yep. Brody King uh, defeats ACH to become the new champion. Oh, my God. Yeah. So by the time this match happened, we were already well over like three, almost three and a half hours into the show, which was supposed to only be three hours. And they started you know, half an hour over the runtime. Yeah. And it just, it was a long match. It was like, kind of, and the other thing too, and I'm not just saying this, it wasn't just that it was long. 
they never really did get the crowd back. Like, the crowd was invested in the finish, but the crowd was never fully there because the match was... I don't know what was going on. There was Fun a- fact, Brody King got a concussion at the beginning of the match. Oh, did he? Yep. Where did you find that out? On Observer. That makes a lot of sense, because remember we were talking about it, and I was like, why was there so many miscommunications? Like, yeah. Also, it seemed like... Uh, ACH was potatoing him like all night like he was right. pissed or something <laughs> so it was also kind of weird like you yeah. could tell there was some something was off yeah so Brody King had a concussion at the beginning of the match he doesn't remember the match at all he just like next thing you know he he has the championship he doesn't remember the whole the match at all well hats off to him then for putting in a pretty good performance in a <laughs> mediocre match <laughs> yeah <laughs> so the match was okay but uh, yeah I mean yeah so he ended up winning um, this this was a very similar feeling to like when we were at WrestleMania weekend, we were at Joey Janela's Spring Break, and as great as that show was, and that show was much better than this, it went too long. Yeah. And you leave pissed. <laughs> like, when you leave a show, and it doesn't end on a good note, and it went too long, and then they keep going long, like, it just, it's too much, man. It's too much. Yeah, so I was disappointed with this night. There was very few, like, the high point was, like, uh, Shane Strickland and, and Darby Allen. And Darby Allen. Everything else I probably could have really done without. Yeah. So... But we were there to see a near riot, so that was cool. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, you know, AEW, first night was great. Second night, not so much, but still got to see a lot of great guys, a lot of great matches, and got to see a new AEW champion. I'm, I'm kind of curious if this means ACH is signing somewhere because he's been the champion for AEW for the last few months. So I'm wondering if potentially he's going somewhere. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, Brody King has, in a way, more upside. He's kind of like the new guy in the block. A lot, a lot of places are pushing him, so I feel like that's probably more so what it has to do with. And rightly so. He's all, I mean, they're both awesome, but Brody King is awesome. Yeah. All right, so that wraps up AW. Then, of course, Saturday, the whole reason why we were there, all in. Yeah, so... Uh, we got to hang out with fellow uh, social suplex, you know, writers and podcasters. We got to hang out with Jordan Fox of the uh, what's the show um, from the indie indie wrestling podcast, I believe it's called now. Yeah, and then um, we had uh, Kyle Morris, who's on the Outsiders Edge on Social Suplex. So yeah, we got to hang out with those guys that day and you know do some cool stuff, and then. Yeah, we went to All In, the biggest uh, independent pro wrestling show in the history of mankind. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, man. This, dude, the atmosphere, man, was just amazing. Well, you, you went in before I did. I had some stuff going on, so I was outside the arena. But what, what was it like when you first walked to in? first walk in and just, like, seeing, you know, thousands and thousands of black shirts. <laughs> um, just looking around and, you know... Uh, Kyle and I grabbed a beer and then we just walking around like, oh, let's check out the merch line. So long. Dude, the merch line was so long. Like, you couldn't even like walk around it to see and go to the table. So like, I was like, oh yeah, maybe I'll come back to it later. It was uh, literally like around the whole arena. And there was only two merch spots. Yeah. And they like were touching. <laughs> yeah. Like, like literally they started on opposite ends of the building and then the lines like converged like in the middle and I was like oh my what is happening here and apparently like people because the doors opened at 3 and majority of the people got there at 3.30 we got there at like 4 mm. and at like 3.30 like at 4 like most of the side, shirt sizes were running out yeah um, but yeah and then I mean luckily I wasn't trying to really buy any merch right. I don't I mean yeah I mean I was going to look and see if there's anything like, interesting but whatever um, got to the seats we had great seats we had awesome seats. 
Uh, fun fact. So I was outside in the middle of a phone call, and I'm just hanging out, making a phone call, getting ready. I'm like, you know, I'm going to go in in a minute. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, that's John Mayer. <laughs> and like, and I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed to say it. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a musician and I'm a guitarist. And the reason I became a guitarist, cause I like John Mayer. Like, I really like John Mayer a lot. Like, I don't know how to describe this <laughs> to you guys. You're, you're a mark. I'm a mark for John Mayer. Like, I'm. And I was talking to, I was talking to a lady friend of mine. Yeah. Okay. And I was like, uh, John Mayer's walking past me right now. And she's like, shut up, you're lying. And I was like. No, he's literally walking past me right now. She's like, you're lying. And I was like, should I I say something to him? She's like, hang up this phone right now and go say something. And I was like, I don't don't think I should. And she's like, when are you going to ever see this dude again? I was like, oh, my God. So, like, I was like, all right. I hung up, and I'm, like, running over there. And I hear him talking to this girl. She's like, you like pro wrestling? He's like, I love pro wrestling. (laughs) And I was like, hey, John. Sorry to bother you, da da da. But anyways, like long story short, he was real cool. Uh, he was short on time, but real cool guy. And you know, we took a photo together. That was cool. And I, you know, I got to meet John Mayer. And I was like, <laughs> what are the chances that I'm like at all in? And I run into like John Mayer. Yeah, I heard Macaulay Culkin was. Well, at yeah, there. dude. Apparently, there were, there were a lot of celebrities and like football players that were there. That's yeah. He was the only one that I saw, but that was yeah. that was pretty cool. And then I was like, all right, great. I just met like one of my all time heroes. And now I'm gonna go watch the greatest you know indie show of all time and as soon as I walk in the crowd is just like all in all in and it's like you know almost a full entire arena shouting in unison all in and I was like I got I I like got chills bro I was like what is this yeah this was special yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the um, just the atmosphere was awesome. Like the vibe, like the fans. It was just like such a positive experience. Yeah, and we were sitting like next to two dudes, and he was like, you know, where, uh, where are you? Where are you guys from? Like, or from Florida? He's like, what? You guys came all the way from Florida? I was like, yeah, man. And he's and we're I was talking to them, and it's, it's like talking about like all the people like they've met from different states. And he like couldn't believe like how many like different states are here. I was like, yeah, man. Yeah, it was, it's really crazy, like, how many traveling fans were willing to come out for this particular event, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, the historic event, man, they had, I mean, it's like a once-in-a-lifetime kind of moment here, like a, like a change in the, like, the... It literally did feel like that, and I mean, it, it probably is, like, uh, no matter what ends up happening after this is all over, whether this was a one-off, whether it ever happens again, I don't know, but... This is a show that will be looked on fondly from a historical standpoint. Like, yeah. 20 years from now, people will still be talking about All In. Definitely. And so, um, the show kicked off with the two uh, zero-hour matches, which was on WGN America. Yeah. The opening contest was SCU. And it was scheduled for one, one fall. <laughs> uh, uh, no, but what was awesome was um, we're at a pre-show. A pre-show, and all ten thousand people are in their, in their seats. seats. Like it's the main show. Yeah. Like I don't know if I can remember the last time that a WWE show was like that, except for like maybe this year's WrestleMania, and even that wasn't really quite like this. Yeah. This was like, it was the pre-show, quote unquote, but it was part of the show for right. us. Right. Yeah. Like you did not want to. Mi- what they put on the pre-show, nobody wanted to miss. Right. And so, yeah, you had a SCU taking on the Briscoes. It was um, Kazarian and Scorpio Sky came out with their, you know, Rocky 
um, gear on. Yeah, we didn't really talk about it too much on on the show, but they'd been doing vignettes. Um, you know, with them training for All In and they were doing like the Rocky 3 stuff which right. is just so hilarious. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they came out um, freaking Scorpio Sky was dressed like Apollo Creed yeah. and um, uh, Kazarian. Frankie Kazarian was dressed like Rocky Balboa and I was like, that's awesome. Like, yeah. a lot of guys had altered like special one-time like gear. attire and gear for this uh, event which was awesome like that. Yeah, and of course we got big SCU chants. Dude, SCU was so over this week. It felt like at, like at, so this year at WrestleMania, one of the most over things was like Rusev Day. Yeah, like that was huge. But like this week, everywhere you went, it was like, S- dude, you'd be like walking through the hotel, SCU. Yeah, bro, you'd be walking in Chicago, people would be like, SCU. We, we saw a guy wearing an SCU shirt. We walked up to him, we're like, this is the worst town that we've ever been in. Yeah, SCU. Him and his girlfriend loved it, bro. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. So oh, that man. was really funny. But yeah, SCU was super, super over this week. Like, yeah. Like, I kind of didn't realize the, how, how big this thing is. The power of being the elite, man. It really does show you the power of being the elite. So, they had a, they had a really good opener with the Briscoes. Man, the Briscoes are just good, bro. Yeah, I know people don't like them because of some of their... Their, their gimmick. Their gimmick and their personal stance on stuff. And all that, but, like, at the end of the day, when you talk about, like, elite tag teams of all time, they're right up there with... Anybody. Yeah. You can name any tag team, and the Briscoes are right there with them. Still, to this yeah. day. Yeah. So, and then when you see them live, every time I've seen them live, I'm like, I, I'm like, you know, you don't hear so much about these guys, but they're just really good. Yeah, they are really good. And um, SCU got the win here. They defeated the Briscoes. Uh, it was um, Kaz hit a Spanish fly for the finish. And you know, crowd was excited. SCU got the big win here. Yeah, so I was I was excited to see SCU get the the first opening victory. I thought it was a great way to kind of showcase, uh, like I said, the Briscoes. You know, as it, it is interesting though, you do wonder since they beat the Ring of Honor, you know, World Tag Team Champions, is that gonna? Well, they they already have a title match. Oh, they do. Yeah, but it's it's Daniels and Kazarian at uh, Death Before Dishonor. That match was already made before this match. Well, that would have been good for you to let me know that before we came on that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. But yeah, no, so that's that that that's great. Yeah, so this was a really good opening match. The fans were really into it. I think the fans were just happy to see SCU win. Yeah. In general. So that was cool. Yeah, so then next we had the over the budget battle royal. Um, you know, just tons of people in there. I'm trying to see if I can find um, a, list. a list of who was in there. Yeah, yeah. So this was uh, this battle royal. I will say this: one of the best battle royals I've ever seen. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, most battle royals are just kind of like, yeah, you know. I mean, you know what you're getting with the battle royal? They're clusters. You're just getting a bunch of guys clubbing each other and you know there's some spots and stuff like that but it's not generally like a good match this was like one of the perfectly worked indie like uh battle royals i've ever seen i actually heard that like who was it that booked this was bj whitmer bubba ray dudley and tommy dreamer yeah they just laid out like a perfect match man everybody that was in there got shine everybody that was in there yeah they all, they all hit their signature spots 
It, it, yeah, there was just so many things where I was like, wow, this Battle Royal is really, really, really good. Yeah. So we had uh, Moose, Brandon Cutler, Trent Beretta, Chucky e. T, Rocky Romero, Cheeseburger, Hurricane, Ethan Page, Tommy Dreamer, Jimmy Jacobs, Punishment Martinez, Austin Gunn, Billy Gunn, Marco Stunt, Brian Cage, Jordan Grace, Colt Cabana, Bully Ray, and uh, Chico El Luchador. Yeah, so I mean, um, I didn't realize that quote unquote Chico El Luchador was going to be in this as well as Rocky Romero. Right, that was like, I saw, I was like, wait a minute, Chico and Rocky are there. I'm like, somebody else is Chico. I actually didn't even realize, so I didn't realize that they were in, that they'd both been in there until like way later in the match. Mm hmm. Like, I, it just didn't connect for me. Yeah. I, as, as soon as they came out, I was like... So, I mean, one of the things that happens early on, the match starts, and... Oh, and so everyone's out there, and then Bully Ray comes out after everybody else, and I was like, oh, my <laughs> God. Because Bully Ray is, like, one of those heels that I actually legit hate. Yeah. He's so good at being a heel that I just freaking hate him. I don't even want to, like, really watch him, but he's great, like, in a bad way. Like, he's so good at being a heel that, like, Yeah. That you just, you hate him. And then when he showed up, and they hadn't announced him, I don't think, at all before, prior to that, right? No. So, yeah, and that's that's such a Ring of Honor, like, type of thing to do, to, like, have Bully Ray just show up in a match with, given the storylines of what's been going on. I mean, you know. Right. So, he comes out, and, you know, what happened, basically, with Chico. So, he, he came out, he powerbombed Chico through a table, then everybody rushed to the ring, the battle royal started. Right. Uh, a lot of great spots. Um, you know, Jordan Grace had a lot of great um, shine in that match. You know, um, squatting Brian Cage and uh, just doing some big power moves in there. She did a dive, yeah. stuff like that. I think she eventually eliminated Cage. I think almost literally every single uh, wrestler in there got like a great Yeah, spot. Hurricane got to hit his, uh, his chokeslam spots. Uh, Best friends got to hug it out. Yeah. All sorts of stuff. I mean, it, you know, Billy Gunn got a bunch of stuff in. So And his son looked good, too. Austin Gunn looked pretty good. I, I, mean, I don't really know much about him. He's but. all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it was it was real, real entertaining. And then if eventually it came down to Tommy Dreamer. Um, Tommy Dreamer, Brian Cage, Jordan Grace, and Cole Bully Cabana. Ray. Cole Cabana was there at the end, yeah. I think. And Bully Ray. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, she ended up. Uh, Jordan Grace ended up throwing Brian Cage out. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to remember what happened here. Is yeah. um, so yeah, so Grace gets eliminated. She or she eliminates um, Cage. Uh, and then Bully comes face to face with her. He rakes her eyes, uh, takes her up, and uh, it's gonna do something. Then Cabana comes up there. Uh, Grace dumps Bully and hits the what's up headbutt. The Dudley What's Up headbutt. But then uh, Bully eventually tosses her. And then it comes down to Bully and Cabana. Uh, and then uh, Bully eliminates Cabana. And so everybody thinks, you know, that Bully Ray wins. But, you know, Chico's been on the floor the whole time. Right. So Chico comes in the ring. And I think you thought, like, Bully was done, right? And then I was like, I was like, Chico, Chico, Chico. Uh, no, I, th I thought Chico was going to get him back in there. I, just, I was just curious who Chico was. Right. Because at first, it looked like it was a little too small to be Flip Gordon. I thought so, too. And then he came in and, like, ripped the mask off, and it was Flip. Big pop. Monstrous Road Warrior pop. Huge pop. For Flip Gordon. Takes the mask off and eliminates his Ring of Honor rival, Bully Ray. And Flip is finally all in. Dude, when Flip won the match, like, P 
people freaked out for Flip Gordon. Yeah. Which is interesting because I've been in a lot of crowds where the the Flip-like receptions have been very mixed. Yeah. Very, very, very mixed. But this crowd, uh, being the elite fan type, type of crowd, plus the way they just curated that moment, they Flip was super over. I mean, I'm not even being facetious when I say it's like one of the two or three loudest pops of the whole entire night. Yeah. Like, it was huge. They, they worked us pretty good to make sure that, like, Flip, to make us think Flip wasn't going to be on this thing. You, you had the Flip all-out party. He was supposed to be hosting the viewing party. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so Flip ends up winning that match. Um, and I will say this, like, for, for – because um, you watched this when we got home, right? The yeah. The entire thing. Did on, – um, Honor Club, they don't have the pre-show, right? No, and I don't think they do on uh, New Japan World either. Which is which this show is up on New Japan World now too. So I think the only way you could have watched this was on WGN. WGN America. Yeah, I'm wondering if there's any way to catch a replay if it's on uh, like Fight TV or no. I'm not sure. I'll have to do some research and see. I don't think it is. I think it's. I think it was just exclusive for WGN America. And there's yeah. no other way to see it. If I were them, I would see if they could put it on their YouTube. Afterwards, I know usually like, sometimes you have to wait like a week or something like that. Maybe yeah. I don't know. We'll see, but yeah. So this was this was just awesome. This was awesome, and it set up Foot versus Jay Lethal for later in the night. Yep. Um, so so then we get like the you know the that the warning don't steal this pay per view, and that got a pop. That got a huge pop. Because like people were just like super excited, like you know this is actually happening. Like this, it's pay-per- a pay per view. Yeah. You don't get that with WWE anymore. I don't think right. Like, yeah. they don't do, like, the whole, like, warning, this is a right, It's because it's on the network. Right. So, with this, like, it's... It, I think it was, like, the nostalgia for a lot of older fans. When you see that, you know it, that this is going to be a big show. When I yeah. saw it, when I saw it, I was like, hey! <laughs> like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, like, this is a pay-per-view. Also, before the actual show started, with the thing with Road Warrior oh. Animal, did that happen? On, that didn't happen on the pay-per-view. No, it didn't. Yeah, so they, they did, like, an opening for the whole entire show, and they brought out Road Warrior Animal. Oh, yeah. And he got a huge reception. Came out on the uh, the bike. Yeah, he came out he on the, the bike. He had the spikes on, the, the, the uh, face paint. You know, we, I've got friends who are, like, talk, always talking about how, you know, Young Bucks are the greatest tag team of all time, and they don't hold a candle to the Road Warriors, but... There's a reason they call it the Road Warrior Pop, brother. Because <laughs> it was big. Yeah. And, yeah, it was just cool being in Chicago, seeing an animal. And then um, along with that, like, uh, I don't know what I was going to say. Well, they did what? So the, the show started. We got America Beautiful. Or, no, uh, the National Anthem. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kicked off. We had the opening contest. Um, MJF, Maxwell Jacob Freeman, mm-hmm. taking on Matt Cross, M-Dog 20, also known as Son of Havoc from Lucha Underground. This was interesting because both of these guys were announced for the show, but neither of them... Um we didn't know what match they were going to be in, essentially. Right. I thought they were just going to end up being in the Battle Royal. Same. But yeah, it ended up being a match, a one-on-one match here. Oh, I know what I was going to say. So before the show officially started, they started running through the graphics of the show. and the oh, way, the matches, yeah. Of the matches. And the way they started doing it was in order. So when they did that, I know I've come on here in previous weeks and talked about how some of these matches just seemed... Like, the card just seemed a little bit underwhelming to me. You know what I mean? On paper. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is just because we go to these indie shows, on, like, you know, across the country and stuff. And sometimes the matches that we saw here are definitely things you could see on an indie show. And I was like, you know, this doesn't scream like 
SummerSlam to me. It doesn't right. scream like, you know, super card. You know what I mean? But then um, when they started showing us the order and you're in the arena and you're seeing the pyro and you're seeing the stage and the LED and the big production and then all of a sudden it starts popping up and I started realizing like what order they were doing these matches in. The whole entire card just became larger than life. And then I realized like I was wrong the whole time. This show is huge. Like this show is awesome. And um, yeah, I just, I got so, 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 so hyped <laughs> for this card. Just watching the graphics pop up. Yeah. So, man, yeah. Dude, everything with the production, the graphics, the whole stage, I mean, everything just looked great and was just felt epic the whole night. Our seats, like you said, were great. Like, we had, like, I think everyone had pretty much great seats, but being on that first level, mm-hmm. perfect. Like, yeah. we could see everything. Uh, so, yeah, so MJF and Matt Cross here. Um, you know, we've talked about MJF, you know, the AAW shows. You know, he's top heel guy that's, you know, getting over all over the indies. Matt Cross has been wrestling for a long time now, but a lot of people really don't know him as Matt Cross. Right. Uh, more people actually know him as Son of Havoc from Lucha Underground. Uh, he is, he's Matt Capitelli, right? No. No? Oh, what am I thinking? <laughs> Matt Capitelli just passed away. That's yeah, wrong. Yeah. Matt Cross. Was Matt Cross on Tough Enough? Yes, he was on Tough Enough. He was, wasn't right. he? Right. Okay. I, I, I'm just thinking, like, I'm like, I'm not crazy here, right? I remember him on Tough Enough. Yeah, he's on Tough Enough. But it was like, what, season two or season three? Uh, I want to say it was season three, I believe. Um, okay, but he was part of it. Yes. But he's been wrestling for a long time. Yeah. And he's he's a great wrestler. I don't know why he's not featured on the like, bigger companies and just been doing like local indies. I mean, well, I mean, he's been part of Lucha Underground. Right. They but, had those exclusive contracts. For I mean, so even long. before before Lucha Underground. Right. Yeah. And even on Lucha Underground, they got well, a he's, he's a small guy. Right. And they got a hood on him, and he's son of havoc. But I think part of it is he's a small guy. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is, like, you know, you bring him out as Matt Cross. People don't know him, but you create a new character. A lot of the guys they brought in, in the in the early stages had, like, characters, you right. know? Right, yeah. Same thing with, like, Ricochet. Yeah, Prince Puma and um, Shane Strickland was kill shot. Right, exactly. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, this was a good opening matchup. You know, the probably the best, the perfect match to open the show up here. It was good. Um, kind of, the crowd was into it. It was not, like, a super lively crowd. I think a lot of people didn't know who either guy was. Right. Still. But, but uh, you know, MJF was good at getting heat. MJF did a great job of getting heat. And Matt Cross played a great baby face. He was flying all over the, the arena, you know, just doing all sorts of high-flying stuff. So it was, it was a good opener for sure. Yeah, Matt Cross hit his uh, signature shooting star press for the win. I was a little surprised. I kind of thought that they would uh, maybe highlight MJF because he was the younger guy. Yeah. But like you said, I mean, Matt Cross has been in the industry for a long time, and I think he's a Chicago native too. Uh, or, or is it just MJ- I know MJF is. Yeah, I think, I think Cross is from California. Okay. I think he's, like, friends with the Young Bucks and stuff. Gotcha. Um, but, yeah, they gave him a little bit of shine and started the, the show out with a happy note, which was cool. Yep. Uh, then we had um, Sean Mooney interviewing uh, Nick Aldis. Sean Mooney got, a, got like, a big chant from the, <laughs> the crowd, which is kind of weird. Yeah. So, yeah, he interviews Nick Aldis about the, the title match with Cody later. Um, and then we go to Stephen Amell taking on Christopher Daniels. Um both guys are super over. Uh, this was super interesting. Super, super interesting. That One thing I will say, so usually when we go to shows, I'm very restless. And so lots of times I will be watching a show and I'll just 
go here, go there, go get a drink, go to the bathroom, take a phone call. You know, it just depends. Like, I, I do lots of different stuff when we're watching a show. This show, like, no, nobody was, like, leaving, bro. Yeah. Like, everyone was just sitting in their chairs, just, like, super attentive, like, the whole entire time. And then um, I did I did get up after the – for the only time I got up during the whole show was after at the end of the first match. And I was like, I need to go get some caffeine. So I went and got a, a soda, which I don't even really drink soda, but I went and got a, a Mountain Dew. There was no line because there was no one out there. <laughs> there were some people at the merch, but that's all it was. Yeah. I went, grabbed my drink, took two seconds. I came right back. I was back in time for the match to start. When, right, yeah. I was like, what is going on, bro? When you usually go to a big arena show, there's people everywhere talking, hanging out in the lobby, you know, taking pictures, buying stuff. Dude, it was like a wasteland out there. <laughs> and it just kind of showed me, like, how hungry these fans were for this type of wrestling. Yeah. Like, very, very different vibe than any live show I've ever been to. Yeah, so we got uh, Stephen Amell versus Christopher Daniels with uh, Jerry Lynn, the new ref and show as the referee. Uh, right. He got a big pop. All three of these guys got big pops. Um, a lot of, you know, uh, arrow chants. Uh, I love this match. Yeah, I mean, uh, Stephen Amell looked really good for a guy that's only had, I think, he only had two other matches before this. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, he looked really good in there. And he was in there with uh, Christopher Daniels, a ring general that could guide him through the match. Um, and the only thing here, it did look like a Mel kind of blew up. <laughs> oh, he definitely did. I mean, not, I mean, how did it come across? You you watched it on the uh, broadcast. How did it look? Yeah, I mean, you could definitely, it definitely felt like he blew up and was like trying his best to like. Did it look as obvious? I don't think it looked as obvious. But when we were in the crowd, yeah. you could tell, like, you were like, oh, my God, this dude has nothing left. Like, the first three or four minutes, Steven is moving like he's a trained pro wrestler. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wow, real, this guy's impressive, you know? Um, he's moving better than most non, you know, most celebrity wrestlers do. Right. But after, like, four or five minutes... Maybe even shorter than that. He was just dead. (laughs) And we were having such a great time just laughing because every time we saw him do a move, we could see how labored it was. And that Christopher Daniels was literally, like, heaving him up because he was having trouble just standing, bro. Yeah. I'm surprised he made it through the match, bro. He looked like he was going to die. And then um, there was the table spot. He pulled a table out, and eventually he he went on the table. and uh, Or he put Daniels on the table. They had to work spot to spot to spot. After after he got tired, they, they couldn't work a sustained pace. It would just be like big spot, some stuff, spot, fluff, spot, fluff. But it was still very, very entertaining. Um, I do think it went a little too long. Yeah. Um, they probably could have cut this match down a little bit, but I think that they succeeded in having what I would consider to be the greatest, you know, celebrity wrestling match of all time. Yeah. I mean, that table spot, you know, Dan- uh, dude, Amel, when he went through that table, the way the board broke, it like slapped, slapped him, him right up in the head. I yeah. was like, oh my God, this dude's trying to kill himself out here. <laughs> Um, and then there was, uh, you know, Jerry Lynn. After that spot, Jerry Lynn threw both guys back in the ring because he didn't want to end an account out. That was totally unprofessional. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Daniels was getting... The uh, Bucks need to be, like, addressed about this. Or, like, someone needs to talk to the Chicago State Athletic Commission because I've never seen such terrible <laughs> officiating. 
Uh, you can't just throw two guys in the ring just because you don't you don't like the outcome. You, you're supposed to be an unbiased bystander. If you don't want to count them out, just don't count them out. Like it's New Japan. Red Shoes does that crap all the time. <laughs> uh, and then uh, you know Daniels and uh, Jerry Lynn had their little moment in the uh, Gandhi Taylor's face, and Lynn like took his shirt off and like shoved Daniels. Yeah, I was like, what is this? And I was like, <laughs> literally, Jerry Lynn, you are the worst referee I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I, dude, I thought he was about to cradle pile drive that man. I did too. <laughs> I, I thought he was going to like do a wrestling move. Um, but that's a, a male one for a roll-up. Um, only got two. And then um, there was a really great near fall where Daniels went for the Angels' wings. A male um, reversed. Yeah, he did a bridge. And then that was a near fall, but Daniels was able to get out. But then Daniels hit the uh, Uranagi backbreaker, hit the BME, and got the win. Yeah, real good match, real good match. Um, nothing to really complain there. It's better than I thought it might be because it had every potential in the world to not be good, and it was. It was good. Yep. Then next up, we had the uh, women's four corners survival match with the Impact Women's Champion Tessa Blanchard taking on uh, May Young Classic competitor Madison Rain, Chelsea Green the hot mess and Dr. Britt Baker. It was interesting how some people who were champions in other companies brought their belts out and then other people didn't. Did you notice that? Yeah. Like the Briscoes brought out the Ring of Honor titles, but like Tessa Blanchard did not bring out the Impact Women's belt. So that was kind of interesting. Right. Pretty much all non-Ring of Honor belts except the NWA belt was shown. Yeah. Yeah, every, everyone else who had a title outside, including Kenny and other champions, n- none of their titles were showcased on, yeah. the, on the show. Except for, oh, you know what? The Bucks did come out with the IWGP titles on. Yep. Yeah, they did. So, it's just weird. I don't know. Maybe it was like sort of a thing where if you wanted to bring your belt, you could. Maybe some companies had a problem with it. I don't right. know. What, I don't know what the deal was. Right. Considering, too, that pretty much anybody who was a champion won, except MJF. Uh, Joey Janela. Oh yeah, Joey. Hey, we'll get there. But yeah, this this uh, four four way match was really really good. Um, these girls, you know, put it on the line. Uh, I heard that Chelsea Green declared that this is gonna be the greatest women's match of all time. <laughs> yeah, she did. Uh, it wasn't quite that, but it was really good. Um, lots of dives from all four of these women. Lots of great spots. Lots of great near falls. Uh, to me. Tessa Blanchard was like the star of this match. She was a stud in there and um, just loved all the stuff she was doing in there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, I thought it was good. Uh, I did think it was probably like one of, if not the weakest match on the card. I mean, probably the weakest match on the card is probably like Stephen Amell and Daniels. Mm -hmm. But this was... You know, if we're talking about just... This was such a great card, it's really hard to criticize any of it. There was nothing bad. But this match was probably the weakest match on the card. With that being said, they got This Is Awesome chance. They had incredible near falls. Everybody got their stuff in. I think it elevated all four women. So, I mean, from that standpoint, this was a major success of a match. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Tessa Blanchard ended up getting the win with the Hammerlock DET. The finish was a little flat, though. Um, It looked like Chelsea Green and Britt Baker, they were supposed to... It looked like a timing issue. Yeah, they were supposed to, like, be, like, too late to break the pin up, but it actually looked like they did break the pin up. They did break it up. But the ref still counted to the three. They still went to the finish. That was the finish. Um, But besides that, it was good stuff. That actually did, like... Uh, really do that really did affect the, the match 
But other than that, everything prior to that match was very, very good. And it was a great moment for those women. Yeah, and they had um, Tennille Dashwood and the exotic goddess Mandy Leon on commentary. It was interesting. Did you? I kind of thought those those girls would be wrestling, but they didn't. Right. So. Yeah. And uh, Mandy Leon actually came over to our section. Yeah, I don't know what that was about. We had two these two guys that were sitting next to us. They like, they showed up super late, and they seemed to kind of like. I don't know if they were into the matches or not. It seemed like they were into it less than the than everybody else. And then Mandy Leon came over, and then they like left with her. And I was like, who? Who are those dudes? <laughs> and then the guys next to me were like, dang, I thought she was coming for you guys. Because then we could say, like, you're your, we're your friends. And then we could all go go for her. <laughs> uh, I was like, yeah, I wish. Like, I don't know where they're going. Yeah. It's probably somewhere super cool. <laughs> super secret that we don't know about. Yeah. So, yeah, Tessa Blanchard gets the win here. And, you know, all four women kind of celebrate towards the end. Also, forgot to mention, during Tessa's entrance, she was hugging her dad, um, uh, Tully Blanchard, and uh, Magnum T.A., her, step- her stepdad. Yep. So. Um, yeah, I wish they would have kind of, like, highlighted the fact that of who those guys, of who they were. Yeah. Because I don't think the crowd really realized. They didn't, yeah. So they didn't get a pop like they probably would have if the crowd knew, like, oh, that's Magnum and Tully. Right. Um, the other thing, too, is um, Britt Baker came out to... Adam Cole's Adam ring, Cole's of music. ring of music. I was waiting for a Britt Baker, baby. Because <laughs> um, Ch- Chelsea Green did do a woo woo. Yeah, she Zach Ryder spot. She did the broski boot. Broski boot. Yeah, woo woo woo. So that was cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just fun, fun little match, and then um, the, the show continued on. Yeah. Then we got a uh, crowd shot. We saw they announced Chico El Luchador and Fat Ass Masa at ringside. Bro, Masa got a huge chance. <laughs> yes. Like the crowd was. <laughs> Really into Masa being there, yeah, which is hilarious. Uh, so yeah, I guess I guess Masa was all in after all. Yeah. So the next up, we had the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship matchup with the champion Nick Aldis defending against Cody Rhodes, and this was epic. They showed the you know the video package that built up to this match, and then they had like a MMA slash boxing style entrance with each man kind of having their own camps coming out with them. I loved it. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Like it felt, it felt like such a big deal. Yeah. Like it felt like the biggest. Um, like I'm trying to remember any time that like a heavyweight. They do a great job in New Japan. They really do of making heavyweight matches, title matches seem like a big deal. But I'm just trying to think the last time I watched a presentation that felt big like this. Like in WWE, I think the last time I really remember it feeling big like this was like maybe I remember the first Triple H and Brock Lesnar match get, getting a similar sort of treatment. Mm-hmm. But man, like how when's the last time a match just felt this like that? You know, the way that was presented, like, big match feel, like, very few North American matches get presented like that. And it was awesome the way they did it. It, I mean, maybe maybe Punk Cena, as far as... Punk Cena was a huge, yeah. As far as importance, but still, I mean, this just felt so epic. They had Cody, yeah, oh, Cody's blonde again, by the way, everybody. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, like, they had uh, the fight camp, so like, in uh, Cody, on Cody's side, when he was getting ready to come out, they had DDP... Uh, who else was there? Uh, Glacier. Oh, was that Glacier? Yep, Glass Glacier. Um, Tommy Dreamer. Uh, we had his dog Pharaoh. Dude, Pharaoh got a huge pop. Yeah, and uh, Brandy Rhodes. 
And, and Brandy's dad, too. Oh, that was Brandy's dad? Yeah. And, I was wondering who all those guys were. And funny thing about Pharaoh, he actually wasn't supposed to come out with Cody. Apparently, like, the dog trainer was, like, out of, like, location for when they were supposed to, like, get Pharaoh. So Cody just, like, took Pharaoh and, like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he just brought him out there because the, the crowd went so, like, got so hot for <laughs> Pharaoh. Like, yeah, the dog was over, bro. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, the Nick Aldis, his camp, he had in there uh, Jeff Jarrett, uh, Samuel Shaw, Tim Storm, Sh- Tim Storm, and Sean Devari. And apparently, the whole story is these guys they picked team. These guys all meant something to each of these guys. Mm. So they hand selected each their their own um, entourage. I will say this: Cody coming out, and I never would have imagined this in a million years. Cody legitimately had the biggest pop of the night bigger than Omega bigger than the Bucks like that was the biggest and I think it had to do with the importance of the moment and the Mm. the way it was presented Um, so I'm not like trying to claim Cody's a bigger star than anybody because that might not be the case but on that night he was dude he felt like one of the the, the top star in North America in all of wrestling bro yeah. like Cody felt like the biggest deal in the world I was like what is going on right now like the crowd and bro when he came out like the way they presented it I just got chills bro like my whole arm I had freaking goosebumps <laughs> like I was like I had no I had no idea I was gonna re- respond so emotionally to him like challenging for the NWA belt because I was like Whoa! Like the way, like you said, the way they presented it was like a, it was literally like a Mayweather fight. And the, you know, uh, I was trying to keep up with the group thread um, while the matches were happening. And Rich is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Rich Latta, you guys probably like, if you think back to the WrestleMania episode, go back in the archive, listen to our WrestleMania episode. Dude, you can hear Josh and Rich have this whole argument about Cody. We got into it about Cody. Like we literally got into it, and I get into it with Rich all the time about, about Cody because yeah. I'm like, do you not see that this dude's a star? Yeah. Uh, him and James get old, into it all the time. dusty ass coat. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we're just like, man, y'all about to flame me, but go, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh God. When you hung out with Rich yesterday, what was he saying about it? Yeah, he was saying the same thing. He was like, man, I seen that Cody entrance. And I was just like, man, man, Cody's, Cody's got to win. <laughs> Oh my, oh my god. god. The, now, on the flip side, people did boo Nick Aldis, but I'm just going to say this. Being in the crowd, it felt like Nick Aldis was not anything. Yeah. Like, like it went like, like Cody's music stopped, his started, and like it was just kind of like flat. Yeah, it was flat. It didn't feel like he was getting a lot of heat or that there was a lot of hatred. Later on in the match, there were moments where he got heat and stuff, but mm-hmm. like it did not feel like a loud, a loud, like, you know, you know, whatever, you know. And then uh, Earl Hebner was the referee for this matchup, and it seems like he was uh, pretty like nervous or like something when he's old, bro. <laughs> Earl old. Oh yeah, we forgot to mention that Earl made a run in on uh, the Friday night AAW show too. Yeah, what did he do on that night? Um, he came, like the ref. There was a ref bump in one of the matches, and then he ran down. It was during the uh, the Trevor Lee um, Heritage match on the second night. Also, before we move on, let me just say, Trevor Lee is awesome. I already knew he was kind of like, he was good, but like, but he's my MVP of, of AW for the weekend. Like, yeah. he was just great, bro. But yeah, so let's talk about Cody and Nick Aldis. So. Yeah, so Hebner was there. Um, 
and man, they made this feel like an old school NWA title match. Bro, you know me. I love 80s wrestling. <laughs> I love that era. I love the NWA belt, the 10 pounds of gold. So this is right up my alley. So like, in some ways, was this the best match of the night? No, but in a lot of ways, this was my favorite match of All In. Yeah. When it was one of the matches I did not care about. Dude, I did not care about this match. I was like, this was a match I was actually like least looking forward to seeing. Me see. too. And like, now like hindsight, like I would have been fine if this was the main event. Now I'm like, all right, what happens with the, with the NWA belt after this? Like, this right. is great. And, uh, you know, so both of these guys, you know, they're going back and forth from the beginning. Um, and then uh, Cody goes for his his signature little top rope dive thing that he does. Aldous catches him with a forearm on the way down. And Cody's selling. He's, like, knocked out. They were both, like, kind of acting for a while like, like they were knocked out, kind of adding to the drama. Yeah. Uh, Cody's laid out next to the timekeeper's table. And he's got his head under there. So, obviously, he's gigging. Like, you can d- definitely tell what's going on. But uh, Earl Hebner throws up the X. And I was like, dude, for, I was like, dude, is Cody really hurt? Like, they were really going to stop this match? I just think, like, I get it. You know, you want it to seem believable, so you throw up the X. But isn't the whole point of throwing up the X that like it's not it's supposed to be kayfabe? Right. <laughs> then, then when you kayfabe it, the next time someone throws up the X, I'm not gonna believe it, you <laughs> carny mother ever. Yeah. Like, um, it defeats the whole purpose of throwing up the X. But yeah, he threw up the X. Um, DDP comes out to check on Cody. Huge pop. The crowd starts talking about how, like, he's going to heal, heal him with, with yoga. Him. Everyone's like, yoga, yoga, <laughs> yoga. And so, um, and then uh, Sean Davari comes out and kind of, like, pushes, like, DDP over and, like, grabs a towel. He's going he's gonna to try and throw the towel in for Cody. Um, and then DDP goes in the ring, hits him with a diamond cutter out of nowhere. Huge pop. Everybody's throwing up the diamond uh, hand signal, and then uh, the referee gets the, uh, DDP and Sean Navari out of there. Cody comes up. He's bleeding. Uh, he has the crimson mask. Yep. It's like all like all good former NWA champions had. <laughs> him, him and um, you know, him and Nick, they didn't work a super crazy match. I mean, they worked they worked a compelling match, but um. It really was not about the moves. It really wasn't right. about the work rate. It was just about the outcome of the match. Like the mm-hmm. crowd was really invested in what what happens with this NWA belt. Um, and then, it, you know, long story short, it came to a point where uh, Nick Aldis tried to do a sunset flip. Cody sits down on it, cradles the legs. One, two, three. Well, before that, we oh. missed um, Brandy. So Nick Nick Aldis was gonna oh, yeah, go yeah, for yeah, yeah. for elbow drop. Brandy was trying to tell him to stop, and Nick Aldis was like, "Whatever, man, I'm going for this elbow drop." And she puts herself on top she, of Cody. Yeah, she she draped herself over his body, and so she got the the brunt of the elbow drop on her back. He, people, he got heat for that, but yeah. I I was sitting there and I was like, "Shouldn't be in the ring. <laughs> she shouldn't have." Like, right. what, what, what what are you guys mad about? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I would have done the same thing. <laughs> but, but yeah, so you mentioned you yeah, have the uh, the roll-up finish, and uh, Cody wins. Oh, man, what a what a huge, huge population. Like, yeah. the crowd, I mean, we were, we were marking out. Like, yeah. we were really marking out. They should have dropped confetti right then and there. <laughs> I know it was halfway through the show, but they should have just dropped confetti because it was, like, that special. Like, mm-hmm. his whole entire fight team comes out. 
like the presentation, him holding the belt, like Cody's crying, Brandy's crying, like it was just, it was perfect, bro. Yeah. Like it was perfect. Um, yeah, I was very happy. I was very happy. I don't know what that means. Well, the NWA 70th anniversary show is coming up October 21st on Fight TV. Uh, I believe it's going to be 24 bucks. Um, so obviously Cody is the NWA champion, and I'm guessing he's going to be defending the title at that 70th anniversary show. Also, they will be um, bringing back the NWA National Championship, which will be like their U.S. slash Intercontinental title. Um, and there also are plans to bring back other titles. Um, I got this information from uh, Rich Krejci's Rich interview with Dave Lagana on Voices of Wrestling. So if you're on the Patreon side, you can check that out. And talk a lot about the NWA and kind of what's um, in store for the future. And a lot of this like, insights and just, you know, fun fact, you know, Drew uh, Galloway, Drew McIntyre was supposed to be Nick Aldis. Like, before he got signed, like, Drew was going to be the guy they were going to put the NWA belt on. Really? Yeah. Hmm. But then he ended up getting signed, and so plans changed. But, yeah. I I just, at this point, because it seems like there is not an actual network of NWA affiliates anymore mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> right. It just seems like, I'm not sure what their business model is going to be. I know that they've talked about running shows in 2019, but I'm wondering, like, is it just going to be that, that the NWA is a branded title that just gets loaned out is that well what it is what what they're kind of built what they're kind of doing is almost like a boxing promotion where like they're promoting fights like they don't have like a a roster or weekly show like they're they're promoting title fights okay so like the wbc or something right right can that work in wrestling it worked for so far it's working so far is it? Well, it worked for the all in. <laughs> it worked for this. It's working so far for this one event. But no, this. this I mean, they, but they've been promoting. I mean, all this has had the belt for over 200 days and has had title matches in various promotions. Right. But up until now, it's been like, what does that, what does that mean? You know, it's right. just a guy showing up with a belt. There's no promotion behind it. So what does it mean? You know, so uh-huh. I'm still skeptical. Like, but this, this seems like it did more for the NWA than anything else in like, what? 30, 30 years yeah. almost yeah 20 28 years 20 27 years like this this was incredible yeah this yeah. is incredible I'm, I'm gonna be interested to see who they book for that 70th anniversary show and who Cody will be defending against on that show like will they run back Nick Aldis or I don't know if they'll continue to have the success they're having with with Cody with the belt but you know you Cody's Cody's probably the guy right now in the Indies mm-hmm. that if you're gonna have a guy carry that belt and you know Look what he did for Ring of Honor. Right. And he can get get the belt exposure on Ring of Honor TV, on New Japan TV. He's going to be the NWA champion going against um, Juice Robinson of uh, Fighting Spirit Unleashed. Very interesting. Oh, my God. Is he going to beat Juice for the title? That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, you can't have the NWA champion lose to the US, the IWGP US champion, can you? They're going to have to work to a non-finish. Like it's freaking 1980s. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, my god. Yeah. So yeah, so this was this was just great. Like this whole thing was great. And then uh at that point you kinda got the feeling like, wow, the crowd was so hot. How are we gonna rebound from that? And they're like, Well, I'll tell you what we're gonna do. We're gonna have a good old fashioned Chicago street fight. Yes, Hangman Pagey against the bad boy Joey Janela with the bad girl Penelope Ford. And then we said these guys were gonna kill each other, and that's what they did. 
Yeah, one thing that was um, a lot of people d- didn't know who Joey Janelle was. Yeah, there was people behind us like, who's this guy? A lot of fans don't know Joey Janelle. I'm like, dude, this is Joey Janela, man. This guy's like... A lot of people still don't know him. That's crazy. As successful as his shows have been, I mean, it's moderate success, you know what I mean? But he's not mainstream the way that, like, Cody is, you know what I mean? Right. So... Yeah, and he came out, and people who haven't seen him, like, we had friends who were like, man, his entrance is really cool. And I was like, they even do, like, the, the real entrance the real entrance that he does that's, that's even cooler than this. But, yeah, he came out, and then Hangman came out. And it's just been very interesting because Hangman has, like, different personas and different companies, sort of, different right. storylines. But everything about his character going in this match has been dictated by being the elite, you know, and the whole Joey Ryan story. And so you would have expected him to kind of get cheered, but, like, he was kind of the heel in this match. Yeah. And people, like, were trying to... It was weird. I had weird feelings about it because the match... The crowd was already kind of dead, and then the match starts, and the crowd's going into the whole, like, you killed Joey. Joey killer. (laughs) Yeah. But, like, I think a good portion of the crowd just wanted to cheer him because he's part of the elite. Right. He's part of the Bullet Club. Right. So it's like... It's very difficult, you know, he's a being the elite cast member and people love him, but then they want us to boo him and he's not even going against the guy that he killed, so the the, the beginning was kind of a little awkward. Yeah. Plus everything everything was so dead from the match prior to that. But then things heated up real quick. Yeah, they started doing suicide dives. Um Hayman yeah. Page did the moonsault to the outside. Oh, it was awesome. And that's another thing. How you can expect me to boo Hangman Page when he's doing the Ross he has like the, one of the Ross moves that's like out there he's <laughs> yeah. doing golden triangle moonsaults and uh, shot Larry that spot with the chair he did the that pump handle fallaway slam that was awesome yeah in the chair uh, they go outside they they find a Cracker Barrel barrel yeah I didn't realize Cracker Barrel was like an official sponsor which is <laughs> kind of hilarious yeah and uh, so they're using the barrel for spots, um, kind of brawling in and out of the crowd. The buckshot lariat from the the crowd to the to the floor. So much in this match happened. I like can't even recall all of it, but I do know at one point they set up a ladder, and they did a burning hammer. A burning hammer. Onto oh. The ladder. oh my god. Um, and then later on. Um, they ended up. What, what was that? They did not. Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, they ended up uh, eventually. Um, having Penelope get involved and Penelope and Hangman were going at it. Right. Penelope did like a dive and there was something else she... She looked great too. Yeah, dude. I've never seen her wrestle. Yeah. I, well, actually, I've seen her... I think I've seen her wrestle one time, I think. But yeah, she was pulling off some great moves. Uh, and she had the bag with um, the shoes of the Hangman. The boots. The, the boots that he was wearing when he killed Joey Ryan. Um, and then they had the table spot by the stage where Hangman set up two tables and he was supposed to powerbomb through both but Joey only They were too far away. Yeah. They were too far away. He only went through the one. Later on, Joey ended up setting up uh, Hangman on a a table to the outside and he jumped off the... uh, Turnbuckle. Off the turnbuckle, but he slipped, and they, he didn't land like in the right area. So like the that fall looked pretty bad too. Like yeah. only a small portion of the tail rope. <laughs> it looked like it looked like Hangman was gonna land on, or he might have landed on his head. I don't even know. Um, but yeah, so then eventually they ended up working to a spot where Joey uh, Joey Ryan, or I'm sorry, uh, Hangman Page ends up dumping out his his sack, 
and he's got a landline phone, like an old school <laughs> landline phone. Yeah. He starts attacking, uh, you know, Joey Janelle with it. They're on a on the top of a ladder. He's bashing him with the the phone, which is apparently the the murder weapon that he used to kill Joey uh, Ryan, Ryan. Which, by the way, the night during the press conference, uh, the night before during Starcast, uh, dude comes out and says, "Oh yeah, by the way, I did kill Joey Ryan." Like, right? <laughs> and I was like, "How's this dude not locked up?" <laughs> like, you, you just literally like admitted to a murder, but you're still gonna be on all. Like, <laughs> all right. Um, but they, that that kind of brings us to the finale of the match, to where yeah, got some of the ladder hits the right of passage off the ladder through a table. Yeah, that was crazy. I didn't think they were actually going to do it, but then I just thought, you know what, they are. They are going to do it because <laughs> these guys are crazy. Yeah. And yeah, that was scary. Luckily, he protected him. I think they yeah. they didn't fall straight down. They fell like to the side. side. Yeah. Well, when I watched it back to uh, on Honor Club, you can definitely like when you do the replay, you can see that Hangman protected him. But still, that was still a crazy spot. It's a crazy spot. It's a uh, crazy. I mean, that move's already crazy to begin with. So yeah, really crazy. Right. That'd be like doing a tombstone. You guys have done this before, but like it shouldn't be done. But it's like yeah, it's like doing a tombstone. It's basically a reverse tombstone. Right. So it's like doing a tombstone off the, you know, off of a ladder through a table. It's just crazy. And then we had the lights go out, and we had penis druids come out. <laughs> yeah. So at that point, it kind of like became clear, like they were doing a, a Undertaker. Oh, well, first, well, first the they showed a video of Joey Ryan. Um, coming back to life. <laughs> yeah, like his dead body's laying there and then all of a sudden his penis starts becoming erect and I was like, oh, you gotta be fucking <laughs> kidding me. Oh my god. this It's already a storyline that I'm not that big of a fan of and then yeah. it just got ridiculous. Yeah, and then you got these guys dressed up as, as uh, penises walking out as druids and they, you know... They all touch their tips together <laughs> and you're like, oh my god. And then Joey came out and Hangman's got great facials. He's just like... He just looks so scared. Yeah, like, like, I killed you! I killed you! Uh, Joey comes out, you This know. is such a WrestleMania 20 moment like, like Kane and The Undertaker. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Joey gets the oil out. Joey's up, disgusting. Oils though. himself up. Um... Gets, pulls a lollipop out of his trunks, puts it in Hangman's mouth, super kicks him. Uh, I'm getting sick thinking about it. And, right. then, and then the uh, the penis druids lift, you know, Hangman up like like he like he would lift the Undertaker out and like like walk off of him. There's so much about this that I can really appreciate because it was like it was really smart and it was done well and it was entertaining and it was a great payoff. Like we obviously, I was complaining a lot. Not a lot, but I was complaining a bit about how I was like, why aren't any of these matches playing off of the being the elite storylines? Mm-hmm. But what really happened was they booked it, instead of just being like, oh, we're going to have Joey Ryan versus Hangman Page, they did other matches that incorporated those storylines and then paid them off. They, they did that all night. Yeah. They did that all night, which actually like was kind of satisfying in a way. Yeah, that, it was. That everything did get pay, paid pay off. off. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, I will say this. I cannot stand Joey Ryan. <laughs> I don't like his gimmick. I, I don't like anything about it. Like, I just really, really, really hate it. And I do know that I'm, like, one of those fans, again, where people are... It's like the Marcus Stunt thing. People are going to be like, you don't get it. I get it. I don't like it. Now, I want to say both of you. I don't like Joey Ryan either. I don't... I'm not down with the whole gimmick and all that stuff. And I just... I don't like him putting, like... 
I don't like him putting oil down his pants and then he puts a lollipop and then puts it in someone's mouth. It's disgusting, bro. <laughs> uh, it's disgusting, bro. Uh, yeah. and, and also, like, the whole dick flip thing, I don't like the dick flip thing. I do like, I think it's hilarious when they talk about famous dick wrestlers. <laughs> that stuff's funny, but, like, when you see the reality of him wrestling and, like, he's going to flip, flip someone with his dick, that's stupid. I hate it. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, anyways, but this was this was fine. This was good, and uh, the I thought what was really smart about it was it was the perfect placement on the card to take everyone from this really high high, and obviously everyone got deflated. And how how are you not going to get excited again for a guy getting you know for guys going through tables and ladders? Right. So, and these matches when they're done correctly, talking about street fights, they start out kind of on the lower end and escalate. So this is the perfect match to escalate the crowd. From a low point right back into a high point where mm-hmm. we're all we're all ready to go for the rest of the card, and that's exactly what this did. So, from a booking standpoint and a production standpoint, this was definitely the right call for the show. And so then after that, we see Jay Lethal walking backstage in his Ring of Honor gear, uh-huh. and next thing you know, you see a hand hand him Macho Man glasses, and it gets the old slap on the shoulder. And he transforms into Macho Man. Black Machismo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, so Flip Gordon comes out first with uh, Brandy Rhodes. Um, and then we get Macho Man's music. I didn't like that, by the way. What, the Macho music? No, I didn't like that Brandy had oh. got elbowed earlier in the show. And then by the end of the match, she was fine. And then later in the show, she's walking out with Flip. I get it, but I was like... Come on, just sell a little bit. Come on, like you got <laughs> well, elbowed. I did notice in her entrance on Watch the Honor Club, she was like selling a little bit. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that that oh that that fixes everything. <laughs> uh, but I'm uh, not trying to be too nitpicky, but I do have to say that personally, that was something I didn't necessarily love. But um, her and Flip was cool. She looked so good <laughs> in that military fatigue outfit. Like I was like, oh my gosh, I love Brandy. <laughs> yeah, Brandy's bad. Um, no, like, I want to wife her up. <laughs> and I don't mean, like, steal her from Cody. I understand. She's with Cody. I just want to be, like, the side husband. Like, I don't even care. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, I'll, I'll take that L. I'll take that L for Brandy. I don't oh, even care. Yeah, she risk it all. For Brandy? <laughs> I risk it all. Oh, yes. oh, my God. I love her. Uh, so, Jay makes his entrance with Macho Man music. He's out with the genius Larry Poffo. They have that was great. That new, was... new shirts, brothers from another, uh, from other mothers. The crowd was really into this. They yeah. really loved the Black Machismo entrance. Like, um, Yeah, it was just great. It was great seeing yeah, him come out that way. Big Black Machismo chants. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Flip was over to a lot of Flip chants. Yeah. And the, uh, so the match starts, and it starts off um, stab, Savage Steamboat. They're doing... They're literally doing Savage Steamboat. Like, I don't think a lot of fans caught on to that, but, like, they're doing, like, frame for frame the Savage Steamboat stuff. Um, Jay Lethal starts going to the outside and grabbing... Uh, Brandy. <laughs> Brandy, like, she's Elizabeth. And he's like, you stay here. And I was like, this is... And she's like... I'm not with you. Like, <laughs> so I was like, this is, I was like, this is great. Like, this is so good. And then eventually, like, at one point, he's, like, chasing her around the ring. She runs in the ring, and then he, like, she's like, I am not Liz. And he, like, picks her up on his shoulder. <laughs> and then she, like, realizes, and she, like, slaps him on the, sho- on, the, on the shoulder, and he, like, goes back to be, like, normal Jay Lethal. Yeah, he goes back to being Jay Lethal and, he, and starts working a match like he's Well, first Jay he was like, what? What? Like he's looking down, like he doesn't realize like how he got there. Like he's in, like why is he like in Macho Man gear? Yeah. 
Um, and then he goes back to sort of working like a regular like Jay Lethal match, and it was a good match. Um, and then eventually, um, Poffo was like telling Jay to go hit the elbows and finish him off Macho Man style, and he slaps him on the shoulder again. He turns back into Black Machismo, goes up there, hits the three elbow drops. Uh, yeah, he hits the three elbow drops, goes for the pin, and then flip kicks, kicks out and starts, starts hulking up. up. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, they're doing WrestleMania 5. This is awesome. Um, I know some people didn't like that, but like the nostalgic fan of me, I was just like, this is great. And it's Flip, not Hogan. <laughs> yeah, it's not like don't let's not let's not uh I don't know. I'm just going to say this. Like, you know, Dream came out dressed like Hogan. No one freaked out. Right. This dude hawks up and people don't like it. I'm like, eh. Just calm down a little bit. You know, it's, yeah. it's not actually Hulk Hogan. You know, um, we were at the Pro Wrestling Tea Store and Hogan has this shirt. I love this Hulk Hogan t-shirt. <laughs> it's the Hulk Hogan Ichiban New Japan eight like it's the eighty two style like shirt. It's got it's red, black, and white, and it it literally looks like his logo. It is his logo from New Japan, and I'm like, oh my god, that show <laughs> that shirt is so hard. Uh, we were actually joking about that last night. Josh was like, man, I want that shirt, but I have a black roommate. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm not going to... I wouldn't wear it, even if I wasn't your roommate. Like, that's not how I am. I would... I have... If Listen, if I wanted to wear that shirt and I didn't care, I would just wear the shirt. But I have principles. I'm not going to... I'm not going to spend money to try to support Hulk Hogan and his, you know, stuff. Uh, But at the same time, it's a really cool shirt. And you know what? Rich likes that shirt, too. (laughs) Does he not? Yeah. Yeah, that shirt's awesome. Even though we don't like Hogan, like it's a great shirt. So, um, but yeah, he uh, flip hooked up. He uh, hit him with the big boot, and then he what? He, instead, he didn't go for a leg. No, drop, Jay. He went for the leg drop, but Jay got up, and so he had a Pele. Mm. I thought this match was really good. I know some people. You watched it live, or well, we watched it live together, but you watched it on the uh, on the uh, broadcast. Did it come off better to you the second time, or how did it seem? To me, it came off about the same. Like I, I, thought, I still thought it was as good as what I watched live. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of people that we talked to had said that didn't weren't as into it as maybe we were Murder. for whatever reason. I don't know, but I just thought it was. I thought it was really, really, really good match. Yeah. I did. And I think it's one of the best Flip Gordon matches that we've seen live. I agree. I thought it was one of the better Flip matches. Like obviously, the stuff he did at like Super Juniors is going to be more high end, like athletic stuff. Mm-hmm. But in terms of working a main event style, like Flip looked like a star, and I mean, he was great. This was one of the best worked matches I've ever seen Flip in. Yeah. And then uh, post-match, we had Bully Ray came out. He attacked both Lethal and Flip. Then Popo right. tried to make the save. He kicked Popo in the ding-ding. He's, yeah. he's down. He gets a table out, but then Colcabana comes out to make the save. And then they uh, shield powerbomb Bully Ray through the table. Did you mention that Cheeseburger was in the uh, in the Battle Royal? Uh, I feel like we didn't mention it, but he was, and he was yeah, awesome, by yeah, the way. Yeah. I kind of thought he was going to get involved here because Bully Ray was out, but he didn't. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but yeah, so so basically it was who? Tommy Dreamer. Oh, it was just Tommy Dreamer. that came, Was it Tommy Dreamer and Colt Cabana that came out to make the save? No, Dreamer wasn't here at all. Oh, it was just Colt Cabana. Right. So Colt came out to make the save, and then basically like Jay Lethal and uh, Flip Gordon recovered, and then the three of them teamed up on Bully Ray. Yeah, and the, the, the shield powerbomb. They did the shield powerbomb. And the whole crowd was, ooh, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. And then, so that was like, yeah, that was like the one little jab they did the whole night, like to WWE, which was kind of funny. Well, uh, back in the Battle Royal, Jimmy Jacobs had a jab. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He went for the pedigree. He was like, hi, Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't get it, though, which no, is funny. Yeah. I feel like there was some, another move he did, too, before that. Was it a stunner? I think there was something he hit. I can't remember now. It was a really WWE move, whatever it was. Yeah. I feel like it might have been a stunner, or it might have been like rock bottom or yeah. something like that. Uh, so then next up, we had the IWC. Was it an RKO? I think it might have been. It might have been an RKO from out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. And then he went for the pedigree, yeah. Um, so then next, we have the IWGP Heavyweight Champion, Kenny Omega, taking on Pentagon Jr. Big fight feel. Yeah. Dude, the crowd... Lost it for both of these guys' entrances. Um, you know, this was a dream match. You know, you're probably never gonna see this match happen again. I mean, you know, we remember WrestleMania weekend. It was supposed to be the Lucha Bros against the Golden Lovers, but that match got blocked due to politics. Well, a lot's changed since April. Yeah, a lot in the Lucha Libre world has changed. Since yeah, then. I mean, you got guys working both CMLL and AAA and. All kind of crazy stuff happening in Mexico right now. But yeah, so we got this awesome Kenny Omega versus Pentagon match. Big fight feel. To me, uh, this was the best wrestling match on the whole card. You're probably right. I just feel like I'm not watching something. I've Usually if I watch something on a broadcast, I can give you a pretty decent opinion about it. Watching it live, it's harder for me. Especially like since usually... You go to a show, there's a few matches that stand out head and tails above everything else, and it's on a much higher scale. So it's like, you know, even if it's a good show, you're like, this is what really stood out Mm -hmm. on this card. Because A, everything was good. B, everything was different. So it was like, you know, this it was hard to compare things because they were all different styles of wrestling. Right. Different styles of presentation, different styles. It was so hard for me to really be like this is the best thing like um you're probably right i'm not even going to disagree with you i just like for me personally watching i was like i don't know what's the best i just like it all i want more of this (laughs) (laughs) give me more we want more we want more we really like it feed us more uh but yeah i mean this match was insane v triggers super kicks um pentagon got a lot of offense in the beginning yeah. which was pretty interesting uh kenny did not come out with the iwgp title which i did not expect i thought he was coming out with that belt um and it worried me it worried me when kenny didn't come out with the iwgp title yeah, i remember on, on the car ride you were like I would put money that Kenny oh, yeah. Omega is going to beat Pentagon. I was like, there's no in no world is Pentagon beating Kenny Omega. He's the IWGP champion. Like, that's never going to happen at all in at this time. I was like, it's just not. I was like, I would put serious money on the line. Like, I would literally, like, put my life on the line. <laughs> He's not losing tonight. And then he didn't come out with the IWGP title. I was like, uh, that's kind of making me a little bit nervous. And then the match started. And then I got real nervous because I was like... Oh, they're really presenting it like Pentagon could beat this dude. Like, this is competitive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, crazy spot with the uh, Fear Factor, the package pile driver on the apron onto Kenny. Oh, my that God. That looked nasty. Yeah. Uh, even watched it back on the broadcast. I'm, I'm Obviously, I'm sure he protected him, but it, it didn't look like he did. It looked like he hit his head. Yeah. 
Hmm. It was nasty. Huh. Um, of course, you know, tons of dives from both guys. Um, the biggest pop of the match was for the, that near fall where Penta breaks Kenny's arm, falls it up with the fair factor again. Um, and yeah, everybody thought that Penta got the win there. So we just, that's what the package power driver is called, the fear factor? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, I've never really seen anybody kick out of the arm break slash, you know, uh, package power driver combo. So when that happened, I was convinced. I really thought Kenny Omega just lost. I, I know. Like, you were like, what? <laughs> I was. I, and I wasn't the only one, man. The crowd really ate up. I think that mm-hmm. near fall was like the one near fall of the night where people were like, oh, my God. I thought I thought we just saw like a shocker. Yeah. And then um, the good spot where, you know, a pentel on his knees and he's doing the zero, medo, and Kenny just keeps V-triggering him in the face and he just keeps getting up. Zero, medo, bam, V-trigger, V-trigger. Yep, that was a moment. Um, then you have the moment where Kenny hits the fair factor on Penta. And, um, and dude, I don't know about on the apron, but that time he definitely hit like uh, Pentagon's head on the ground. Yeah, the, you can see mat. clearly on the broadcast too. Or yeah. Penta's head just bounces off the mat. Um, yeah, man, so many great stuff um, comes down. Um, Penta goes for a super kick. Omega hits a V-trigger, hits a reverse Rana, another V-trigger, and then the one-wing angel, and gets the win. Yeah, great match. Very violent. How long did that match even go? Uh, 17 minutes and 45 seconds. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't seem like it was a long match at all. They, they, they were in, they were out. Very violent. Big spots. Uh, a lot of fans did not even... I don't feel like a lot of people there watch Kenny Omega. Yeah. Like, this crowd was a very unique type of crowd. Like, there's a lot of people who, like, support the Young Bucks, support the Bullet Club, but they're, like, Ring of Honor fans, or they're, like... Be, just being the elite fans. Being the elite fans. They, they're, they're, like, fans of pro wrestling in general, but they're not, like, watching, like, the G1. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, so there's so many people who, like, Kenny's, like, this elusive thing. Like, they kind of think they know about him, but they're not like us. They're not watching New Japan. Right. And they're like, that was insane. <laughs> and I'm like... Man, you should have seen him in Ishii this year. You should have seen him in Ibushi this year. You should have seen him in Okada. Should have seen him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what are you guys doing? And um, yeah, it's it is funny how many fans still. You think that fans kind of do know about Kenny at this point. You know what I mean? You right. think they do, but then you when you get into like a crowd of people that are not in your sort of like bubble of fandom, it is eye opening to where you're like, oh. They don't know. <laughs> and that's yeah. crazy to me. Yeah, so Kenny picks up the win here. Mm-hmm. Great matchup. Then mm-hmm. we go to the semi-main event. The villain, Marty Skrull, against the Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada. Yeah, this... Uh, this oh, actually, before we get there, how can we forget? Uh, post-match, the lights go off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, you see somebody... For us, you can't see it on the broadcast, but for us, we, you can see somebody like... I saw someone coming out. Coming to the ring. Yeah. And then... I thought it was Pac. Yeah, we were like, oh, is it Neville? Is it Neville? Is it Neville? <laughs> and then um, the lights go on. And, like, I kind of also thought that maybe it was the OG Bull Club. Mm, yeah. I thought it could be Tama and them. Yeah. They didn't even have an appearance on this show at all, which I was very surprised about. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I thought that things from the show would kind of filter into New Japan storylines to some degree, but not, not really. nothing did. Like, not even a little bit. Right. So, lights come back on, and Pentagon's still laying on the mat, 
and then you know Kenny goes to help him up, and next thing you know, Penna starts attacking Kenny. As soon as he stood up, I knew exactly who it was because I saw I saw the tattoos on his arm, and I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, it's Jericho, <laughs> it's Jericho, <laughs> and he uh, he hits the uh, code breaker, uh, and like I'm still like everyone at this point knows who it is, but I'm like. Guys, it's Jericho, <laughs> and like, like they don't know, you know what right, I mean? Right, right. But the mask still hasn't come off, and I'm still telling people around me like, it's Y2J, it's Y2J, and like, yeah, I just, I marked so freaking hard for this yeah, crap. Dude, he pulls the mask off, or does a big reveal as Jericho, grabs a mic, says, "I'll see you on the Jericho cruise, Kenny." Yep. And then, I, and then all that wind that was in my sails got deflated, because the whole time it was happening, I was like, "Oh my God, IWGP title versus IC title. Oh my God, Wrestle Kingdom, King of Pro Wrestling, all this stuff." And then he's like, "The Jericho Cruise," and I was like, "Wah wah." <laughs> It's not even a one-on-one match. It's just the, the Bullet Club Alpha Club match. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think like here, this was a very, this was noteworthy to a degree mm-hmm. because Jericho wasn't supposed to really be involved with this based on the comments he's been making in, over the past few months about not working with outside companies, and yada, yada. It's kind of clear to me this probably was planned for a while. Yeah. Um, with that being said... I think they did need to have some sort of noteworthy surprise. This was definitely a surprise. No one expected Jericho to be there. I think Jericho actually, like, what was... He went through a crazy routine to hide Yeah, he, this, like, right? flew, took a private jet from... I think he was in Kansas. Took a private jet to All In. Hid in the Young Bucks office. Like he, he got put his makeup on on the plane. And then got the gear. Got dressed in the Young Bucks office. Hid in their office. And then after the show, he got back on the private jet and, like, flew to his next stop. I think he had a show that night or yeah, something that like night, that. Yeah, later that night, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so, I mean, this man's crazy. But um, it was cool. It was very interesting. It was noteworthy. It was buzzworthy. But it's not leading anywhere. You know what I mean? Like, right. when it was happening, I was like, oh, my God, they're going to do Omega and Alpha and Omega 2. You know what I mean? Right. But we're not getting that. So in a way, it kind of was disappointing. But in the moment, and probably from the broadcast, and just for the star value, having him appear on their card, is, it was great. Yeah. Um, and then we go backstage. You see the two, the hand guys from being the elite, find Marty. Oh, yeah. Like, hey, look, it's a guy we fired from the, the music label. <laughs> yeah, so they have those two guys doing their thing, you know, and the one, and they're like, now, now, Marvin. <laughs> and Marty breaks both their hands, which was really funny. Yeah. So, again, just kind of like paying off storylines. Like, everything leading up to All In kind of got paid off in, right. a, in a small way. And then um, Okada came out. He was still kind of like crazy Okada. I was bummed when the music changed. <laughs> But Okada came... I was so emotional watching Okada, like, for the first time. I got, <laughs> but, like, teary he, he did have a jacket. He had a jacket. He didn't and, have a t-shirt. his necklace. No and balloons. No balloons. He did hit the Rainmaker pose in the match with the, the zoom out. Yeah, so, I mean, we... he Now, this match, um, you know, the, I thought this match was excellent. Excellent. I thought it was one of the best matches of the entire card. I was surprised it went on after um, Kenny and Pentagon. Right, because remember, based off being the elite, Kenny and Pentagon was supposed to be the semi-main. And this ended up being the semi-main event. And this was, like, the most main event-style worked match to me. Mm -hmm. Like, 
yes, you got the big fight feel from Cody and Nick Aldis, but they kind of worked like a classic match. It wasn't like the, you know, and then you, you got like a, a great singles match out of like flipping. Um, Jay. There's a lot of gimmickry, stuff like that. Um, and then you got that super ultra violent like match with Kenny and, and Pentagon. But this was like main event style wrestling. Like, this could have main evented a New Japan show. Yeah, it, re- it really... Maybe not a, a dome or anything. Right, but, no, no, but... But, like, a regular... Destruction. Yeah, it, it definitely could have. It had that feel to it. And, I mean, they went... Now, they did go long. Yeah, they went 12 minutes over. They went 12 minutes over there a lot of time. Well, how long was that match? 30-something? Uh, it was uh, 26 minutes and 5 seconds. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was supposed to go like 14. <laughs> it was only supposed to go 14 minutes? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, so Marty went in there and was like, I'm going to ask for forgiveness. Right. And not, not permission. Yeah. Yeah, him and Okada, they had a great match. Um, Okada came to work. Okada did not mail it in or anything like that, but for I don't think for Okada this was like a dumb level like type of performance or anything like that, you know? Mm-hmm. He, he came in and he... He was the rainmaker, but Marty wrestled like his life was on the line. Yeah, he did, dude. <laughs> Marty wrestled like it was the greatest like performance of his career, like sort of sort of deal, and it showed. Like he was really wrestling his ass off. Like it was great. Yeah, dude, Marty. I mean, I've always been a big fan of Marty, and like I had a feeling this was gonna be. There was some worry it was gonna be a comedy match, but I'm like, man, I feel like they're gonna want to do a serious match, and that's what they did. They did a really serious match. It was really great. Um, I like the spot where um, <laughs> where uh, Okada acted like he's gonna do a rainmaker, and then he does two. Oh. Five, <laughs> and then Marty grabs his fingers like he's gonna, and then breaks them, and I was yeah. like, oh, that's perfect. <laughs> Um, also, like, at one point, um, what what was it with the umbrella? So, uh, he grabs the umbrella, but um, Okada grabs him. He goes to do the Rainmaker, but then he uses the umbrella to block the rain. That's to right. Block, to block the Rainmaker. That's right. That was great. And then he hits Okada with the umbrella and puts him in the chicken wing. Yeah, and there's there's sometimes I thought he was gonna beat Okada, like yeah. when he had him in the chicken wing and stuff. Uh, a few different times where it was really close, and I was like, "Wow, like he's about to pick up a win on Okada. Like this is crazy." Um, you know, part of it too is that all the other members of being the elite had gone over up to that point. Mm-hmm. So you're like, "Is it gonna be a clean sweep? Like, because they're the bookers, they're just gonna put themselves <laughs> over." Um, but yeah, Okada eventually ends up going over, and you know. Like, yeah, he hits the discus rainmaker followed by the regular rainmaker. Is that what's the discus rainmaker? Uh, I'm not sure what he called it, but that's what, I, that's what I'm calling it. I've been calling it the burning rainmaker. I don't <laughs> know. I don't. I really don't know what to call it, but I guess it's part of his rep- repertoire from now on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, great match. Um, he ends up, you know, pinning Marty one, two, three. Um, Marty just looked excellent, and the the crowd was chanting heavyweight. There were people who were trying to chant 205. Yeah. And never got over. Yeah. Because people did not want to, like, boo, boo or, like, downplay boo Marty. Marty. Because mm-hmm. I don't think to the wrestling fans he's a joke. Right. Even though it is a funny joke, like, fans are not, we're not going to get with that. But when it was, like, heavyweight, Wait. it was like, yeah. Like, Dude, just, he hit that sick brain buster. That brain buster was that, beautiful. That people erupted in heavyweight chant after that. That was beautiful. Yeah. And, I mean, that's one of my favorite moves of all time. So, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. So, Marty was, like, hitting all his signature stuff, but just couldn't get it done. Yeah. But still a great match. I mean, he looked excellent in that match. 
Um, and then we get cut right to the main event. Rey Mysterio teaming with Bandito and Phoenix to take on the Golden Elite, Young Bucks, and Kota Ibushi. And like we mentioned, the Skrull Okada match went over 12 minutes. So this main event was supposed to go 30 minutes. Time got cut from the match. Um, so this became an all-out sprint. All uh, six of these guys doing all their signature spots. I think they wrestled for, what, 14 minutes or something like uh, that? My thing here says 11 minutes, 52 seconds. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, they probably had, like, what the best, you know, 11 or 12-minute match you could pro- possibly hope to have. Yeah. This was this was insane. Like, just, again, we've talked about Bam- Bandito on the AEW shows. I think he really impressed a lot of people on this show. Yeah, I mean, the two guys sitting next to me have never seen Bandito. I was like, dude... This Bandito guy is raw. Just watch. A lot of people have never heard or seen Bandito right. before. And then the first thing, you know, Bandito does this crazy move, and they're like, oh, you're right. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Phoenix <laughs> was out there doing the Phoenix stuff. Rey Mysterio came out dressed like Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Young Bucks uh, debuted their new song mm-hmm. and their new entrance, which was really cool. And then their gear was raw as yeah, well. Yeah, gear was raw. Uh, and, you know, all the, all the sleeper kicks, all the dives and flips. Uh to just you know amazing stuff. Matt Jackson did a stage dive onto the two. Yes, so I saw I saw Matt down there get on the stage like crawling up and he was sweeping stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is, what is he doing? And it was the Okada dollars. Like yeah. he didn't want to. He was afraid to do the stage dive, so he didn't want to slip on the Okada dollars. So yeah. he, was, he was moving them out of the way. Um, you know, kayfabe. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they they did a lot of crazy stuff in in just a twelve minute match. It was an excellent main event. Um, I mentioned Rey Mysterio was dressed up like Wolverine, right? Yeah. Just one of the coolest, like, little, like, costumes he's ever had, like... And, dude, once Mysterio and Ibushi got oh, under yeah. together, dude, huge pop. Crowd was losing their minds for the Mysterio-Ibushi face-off. They definitely were. They definitely were. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, this match was just crazy, and then suddenly it was just over, you know? It was just suddenly over. And then as soon as it was over, it was like the match was over. They're raising their hands, and then I see on the screen because the screen that we were, that we were displayed was the actual pay per view. And then it was like, you know, the the finale. Like a few seconds later, it's just like duh duh duh. <laughs> yeah. And then the the pay per view was over, and I was like, they didn't have a lot of time. Like, <laughs> what happened? Yeah. And I know I watched on the broadcast, and it was like, you know, Eric Bond is like, yo, it's been all in. Thanks for listening. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, so the Young Bucks, they, you know, they hit more bang for your buck, but that was broken up. Um, and then they ended up hitting the Melter Driver on Bandito to get the win, um, go off the air real quick, and then they get the mic, and they're like, as you can probably tell, uh, our time was cut. <laughs> like we end, we ended the pay per view with three seconds to spare. I don't know if that's true, but it seemed like it was true. There's people who've been questioning it, but being there and seeing the timing of everything, it looked like it felt like only three seconds passed, and then the pay per view was over. Yeah. So I don't know, but yeah, I mean, they um, the all in ended, and the crowd was just going. The confetti was falling. The crowd was going crazy. Nobody left their seats. Nobody was leaving. Like, nobody left to, like, beat the traffic or get to their cars. Like, they wanted to be there and be part of the show. The show kept going after. Um, yeah, I mean, they, the whole entire being the elite cast and the Massey family and everything, they all came out. 
the the confetti was just dropping. Like people were so into this. Like it was such a special moment. Yeah, and then they cut a you know promo and just thanking everybody and potentially of you know teasing it all in two. Well, it was just great. Matt Matt basically said he's like, you know what, you guys are here. We did this because. You want good pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. And the crowd went crazy. <laughs> and he's like, you want your sports entertainment to actually be entertaining. Yeah. And the crowd went crazy. And he's like, that's what this was about tonight. He was like, it's about what our vision of what pro wrestling can be, what we want it to be. We think we can keep doing this. He was like, you, we want to give you what you want. You know, mm-hmm. that's yeah. it's it's very simple. And I think that's a lot about what all we're not gonna do the whole like anti WWE thing, but that is what a lot of this is about. Fans that are fed up about not getting what they want and then a group saying, Here, here, here you go, here you here, go. Here you go. <laughs> you want power, here you go. You want death defined spots, here you go. You want different styles of wrestling, here you go. You want you know Dream matches. Dream matches, here you go. Like, we'll do it. And it was like Hell yeah! Like this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cody was like, you know, sometimes when I make a bet, I like to do go double or nothing. Everybody was like, all in two, yeah, all in two. Yeah, the all in two chance. Like, were great. He's like, ah, I don't have a graphic or anything to announce. And everybody was like, Boo. <laughs> yeah, they're like, they did say that they're talking about some things. Mm-hmm. It did seem, and then they said, you know what? At this point, you know, people are con- are talking about we're gonna go here, we're gonna go there, we're gonna do this, we're gonna go th- do that. He's like, all I can say. Wherever we're going, the elite is going. And he's like, all of us. Except Marty. Why? Marty wasn't in the ring. Was he not in the ring with him? I did not notice that. Yeah, Marty was not in the post-celebration. But Hangman was. Yeah. Mm. Well, Marty's... Remember, Marty signed a six-month extension. Yeah, but I didn't think that... That doesn't mean anything. I know, but... No, it it literally doesn't mean anything. Like, if they're all planning to go together... (laughs) Um, I'd be very surprised by that, but I don't know. It, to me, what they were, it sounded to me like what they were saying is they're not going to WWE. I don't think they are. That's what it sounded like to me. That's yeah. the vibe that I got from that entire Dude, like after that, like, do you go to WWE after that? Like, you put on like that amazing production and you like get this bug for it and you want to keep doing it and then. And then you get told, like, no, you're going to come here and be this character, and this is all you're going to do. Like, here's your role. Goddamn, pal. It's time for you to put the stardust back on. <laughs> it is. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 